Hello, everyone. We welcome you to the Filmmaking Sucks podcast. Where we tell you about all the mistakes you can make while producing a film and explain how you can avoid them yourself. I'm your host, Manny. And I'm Lynn. And we're sitting here today with... uh, Snowflake. <laughs> you need snowflake. snowflake. Scott Perry. A snowflake. Okay. <laughs> I like being called a snowflake because we are all little snowflakes. We're all unique world. snowflakes in our own. We are all unique snowflakes. <laughs> uh, so, Scott Perry. Uh, Scott W. Scott W. Perry. Excuse me. Scott W. Perry. Mm, very important, that W. Yeah. It is because if you go on IMDb, there's 25 Scott Perrys on there. I was shocked. You know, when, when I had my maiden name, my maiden name, I was the only one on like the whole goddamn planet. Like if you search Lindsay Lamarro, I was the only one out there. Then all of a yeah. sudden we get married and I took his name and I'm thinking, how many people are going to have a Spanish last name with the name Lindsay? There's like eight of them. I hate them all. Lindsay Serrano's, I hate you. I've ruined her career with my name. Ruined, ruined, ruined. The one good thing about it is that I can kind of feign anonymous and, you know, I can remain anonymous in some areas because it's like, you see something like going on, it's like, oh, Scott Perry did that. You go on the the news and it's like, in New York today, Scott Perry killed a bunch of people. People are like, (laughs) oh my God, Scott Perry killed a bunch of people. And it's like, well, it's up in Poughkeepsie. And it's like, wait, Scott doesn't live in Poughkeepsie. And, you know, but then I'm like, you know what? Scott Scott comes from Amityville. He comes from Amityville. Yeah, that's even better. That's even better. You know, but it's like, it's like, you know, I can probably play with this and hide for like a month and not deal with anybody. So, you know. <laughs> oh, that's like you have your own. Um, God, what is that? What is the director's that name for the director that when you hate a project? You're not allowed to use those anymore. Oh, yeah. I know. No. Okay, anymore was no, but Alan now he has now he has his own. Yeah, now yeah. he's got his own. Alice Smithy, uh, but now he could just go. He could just go by Scott Perry and then just blame it on one of the other ones. Why not everybody? You know, some other people have, so it's not done anything new in the indie world. Yeah, I guess so. So, but yes, the 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 right is it the Writers Guild or right the Writers Guild won't recognize Alan Smithy anymore. Uh, Directors Guild, actually. Directors won't. Guild yeah, is it? It's okay. Directors Guild, All yeah. Right. You know, because it was only a directing thing. Mm. I think writing there I, there might be an alias for writing. I don't know. Uh, What's I, the reason before behind that? Why they stopped recognizing Alan Smithy? Um, probably discredit the writer, right? Yeah, want- it was either credit the writer. Or there was a movie called Burn. Uh, Hollywood Burn, which, which they was, joked was an Alan Smithy yeah. film until they realized that the director disowned it, mm-hmm. so they really had to use Alan Smithy for it, <laughs> yeah. and I think that kind of caused the whole... That movie sucked, but mm-hmm. they had to kind of say, okay, yeah, we're going to get rid of this and, and remove it, but huh. you know, it's kind of interesting when you see the name out there and you hear the real stories behind it yeah. you know, 20, 25 years ago, because they haven't used it in 20 years. Was so. Alien 3 Alan Smithy? No, did that was it? still David Fincher. Oh, he did, but, because I know yeah. he disowned the movie. Yeah, he did he, it after because the Because he didn't like the cut at all. He didn't yeah. like what they did with it. You know, which, which, you know, it just shows how good of a director he's become because with the stories behind it and the fact that you still have a good movie even when oh, his yeah. cut was disowned yeah. shows you how much of a talent I mean, his, was. his version was so much better, but the original, was, the yeah. regular theater version was still great. Yeah. You yeah. know, I think, I think a lot of people gave it a lot of shit, but I think it's because he spat on it you know so I think that people just kind of went with it like well the director doesn't like it so it's got to be crap that and it was put in a position to fail from day one because it had to follow aliens which yeah that was which is really it's very hard to top that at one point James Cameron made some of the best sequels Mm -hmm. you know what I mean he really did so but anyway so um, Scott yes tell us a little bit about yourself what is it that you do well, I am a, I'm kind of, I guess you can call in the indie world a jack of all trades. I'm a director, I'm a writer, I'm a producer. Um, I, 
mainly am known here in the uh, New York tri-state area for a web series I did called In Fear Of, which is an anthology series about phobias. Okay. I believe that's how I met you two uh, fine people. Yeah. Um, you know, in addition, I've written many scripts. I've produced a few short films and written them, directed them, and, uh, you know, just basically trying to get my name out there like everybody else is. Cool. So. Very cool. Now, uh, in fear of uh, how many of those episodes? Did, well, since we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cover writing today, let's do that. Yeah. yeah. First, first things first. We're gonna cover writing. Yes. Um, screenplays, writing a screenplay. Yes. Um, the structure of it, the and even your own personal um, writing yeah. style, your process towards writing. So let's yeah. start off with in fear of how many of those episodes did you write? Well, we made twenty. I wrote. Uh, I wrote nine. Okay. That we produced uh, um, eight. I directed myself. One I wrote and co-directed okay. with uh, um, with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the great Debbie Rashan. Of course, I mm-hmm. wrote it for her. It was her. I, she gave me the story, and I wrote it. You know, for her. But but I was I was pretty much involved in the development of all of them. Okay. Uh, f- you know, mainly from a script standpoint and from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. But you know, everything always begins with the script. So, you know, yep. one of the things that I always looked for when I did it was to make sure that I fit the tone of the overall series flow that I was going for. You know, I think I mainly succeeded. Uh, you know, in some cases I failed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I would say for the most part I succeeded. But um, I kind of use since. I was the creator of it. I kind of told everybody to use what the series, the episodes that I did to start off as, as a template, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, for that. So were yours the first eight then or no, we did a, we did like a six episode, like kind of like a preview. Okay. Just to see if it would work. Um, you know, I did three of them. Okay. And uh, I had one other person do two and I had another one do one. Um, you know, it's interesting because two of them had no script. It was basically just uh, get a, get a bunch of people together and let's just try to see what we can. <laughs> the, indie <laughs> the, the indie way, the indie way, the no budget uh, way, the no budget indie way, which is uh, you know for that you have to make you pretty much have to do that in the editing room. So I kind of can't count them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we did something similar like that for myself in the second season, but I wrote it. You know, so and I think it it. It's funny because I remember review saying it. It's like, oh yeah, the second season episode. It's but it's it's like this other episode directed by this other person. It said, but this one has a story behind it. And I'm like, well, we took the time to really go with it and try to see what we have because, um, you know, without a solid foundation and a structure and a story, it kind of shows you that you know you can get a little lost on it. You can find some good things in there. You can find good things for performance. But when you work in an anthology series, perform just performance isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You need to have a structure to get the series and the whole flow going. Right. You know. Yeah. Either do it, you know, very structured or you don't, or you just, I don't know. I did yeah. One one will drag down the rest in a way. Yeah, you know, I edited one for season one and, and the director behind it, he wrote a musical piece mm-hmm. before he even, he had the story down, he wrote everything, he, he did the storyboards, did everything right, he did everything great, but then when it came down to the music, he had the music set before the film was done. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And he, he insisted on cutting it that way to the music so i was cutting it and i kind of felt a lot of the story got lost in transition because 
it was bouncing back and forth too much to the point where it was really confusing the audience. And I remember looking at it and I told him flat out, you need to cut a minute out of this hmm. because, and this is six minutes long, but I'm like, you need to cut a minute out of it because you, there's a point in the story where you go back to before the conflict happened and it makes no sense to have it there other than the fact that you just want to put that musical cue in, huh. right. you know? So, and I remember you got mad at me about it because he's like, How, that's my vision is everything <laughs> like that. And he went, it's my vision. I went, but it's my series. Yep. You know, and uh, that's funny. You know. I, uh, that's actually that's what we did for Blood Slaughter. I do that a lot. I find that to be easier to cut things down. Like with Blood Slaughter, we had um, I'm going to say well, we had the theme done before we started shooting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the uh, cues, a lot of the music cues were written, but um, <clears throat> I guess I mean again, it depends on what what, yeah. what the process was. But he. The way we did it was he gives me all the individual layers when, yeah. when he writes it. you know. So this way, even if something doesn't, because most of the time I'll cut to the music so that it oh, so yeah. it kind of has a, a good flow. No, it does I'm help able, greatly. Yeah, but then you know? I'm able to tear it apart because I have all the different stems, all the different yeah. layers of the music. So if something doesn't fit, I can trim it manually. You know, yeah. so I can cut the music down too. It sounds like the music was more like completed already. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's funny when I say that because when I did... You know, I, I actually did it to that point when I had a composer do the music for one complete scene in one of my first short films, Insatiable, mm-hmm. um, which is online. And, uh, you know, I, he had it set before I even cut it, and I found that helped me yeah. get the flow of it. And, it. and it was the first, and I didn't edit the rest of the film. I edited that scene first, yeah. you know, which was this big elaborate dream scene with the serial killer. He's got all his victims and plastic looking at him in this abandoned <laughs> movie theater, which cool. I was nuts. This was 10 years ago. I was nuts then. I'm nuts now, <laughs> you know, but. It was. I actually, when we were talking about this, I actually looked it up, and uh, you know, I looked it up again, and uh, I'm still proud of it all these years later. The only regret is I didn't shoot it in HD, but mm. you know, but that was one of those things, you know, even because that that was a script, that was a, a film that has no dialogue on it, but I still wrote a script. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you know, yeah. and and we still had all I think the you beats. Need, and I think even there. that you really, when there's no dialogue, I think you really need a script more. Oh, yeah. So that this way, your your actors have a, a clear cut line of what exactly they're doing in the exact order yeah. all the beats everything's written out yeah, you know I, I, I mean unless you, you're doing something very yeah. artistic and, and strange but yeah I mean but you know do you have to have a reason behind it yes you know I mean I've seen so many things where I've you know somebody I used to work with and I would edit his stuff and he would give me hours and hours of footage and he would give me like okay these are the best takes he said now do something with it mm-hmm. and then I would do everything that he would instruct me to do and he's like I'm not feeling it do it like this and then I'm like okay I'll do it like this and, and then he's like yeah, you know I'll go put it back the other way and I'm just like well you make up your fucking mind said, this is why you need a story this is why you need a script yeah. at least something of a foundation for it you yeah. know and um, you know I did something like that with you know it's funny because I'm guilty of the same thing I did uh, it was, five years ago I did a little piece to music the mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails Ghosts yeah you, you know, did when number he had 13 whole, yeah I did number 13 which everybody did <laughs> you know but I think I did one of the better ones of it I just did it a few years too late from the film festival but I wanted to do it because I'm like I just wanted to do something associated with Nine Inch Nails and I had this idea in my head and I did it. But even then, even though we kind of went a little against the grain, I still had the concept down yeah. and I still wrote it down and there was a beginning, there was a middle and there was an end, you know, for a four minute piece, you know, yeah. it's, um, you know, as they say, the three act structure, yeah. you need it for a full length script, you need it for a short script. And that was one thing that within fear of, I wanted to make sure that everybody had, there had to be, there had to be that within mm-hmm. it. You know, had to be a complete story. Had to be a complete 
story, even yeah. if it was two minutes, three minutes, 10 minutes or 20. Yeah. And they varied in length on that, you know, and, and, um, like I said, for the most part, I think we succeeded. There were a couple that didn't follow that formula too well, and I think it kind of suffered for it. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I mean, none of mine, of course. Uh, but, of course um, well, no, never. <laughs> no, but, I mean, you know, when, it's funny because I did episodes and in fear of, I guess we'll talk about this more in the producing one, but, but from a writing standpoint, there are some that, you know, we've, and even then on a, on a set, if we, we deviated from the script a little bit, but as, as long as we kept the structure there, we were fine. I mean, I think, I think to me, that's what the script is the most important thing where it's like, it's leading where you're going with things. I mean, as an AD, I mean, I'm constantly, where are we going? Where were we coming from? I'm constantly, yeah. you know, making sure that everybody before they even get on set, all the actors know, you know, kind of where, what scene we're doing and, yeah. you know, and I can answer questions for them. And I feel like the script is what leads the entire production. So to not have yeah. one. And it also helps the actors a lot. I mean, I, I, I am a proponent of rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would love rehearsal if I have the chance to do it, but with everybody having full-time jobs and it's very difficult. You know, the last short film that I did, you know, once when I was dead, I had cast from LA, Chicago and New York, Wow. Jeez. you know, so we were all over the place, but the good thing is, you know, my actors from LA, um, basically Tiffany Shepis, Gabrielle Stone, by the time they got on the set, they knew the script inside and out. So mm-hmm. I didn't really have to direct yeah. them as much as I could. Cause, you know, they were like, do you mind if we do this? And I said, yeah. And I remember saying, you know, halfway through, near the end of the shoot, I'm like, I hope you don't mind. I haven't really given you much direction because I, you know, I think you're doing it well. And, and I think it was Gabrielle turned to me. She's like, well, the script was so good and you, we were, we were prepared. It's like, I knew mm-hmm. this character inside and out from yeah. everything we talked about. You know, and and and, and that's that, where you want to be. Yeah, that's exactly where I want to be. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's no wrong way of doing it. If you want to, if you want to, you know, be artistic and you want to do something, you know, improv. I mean, improv is good, you know, for that. But make sure you have something within it. If you're mm-hmm. just going to get a bunch of people together and have like one location and said, okay, let's just do something, you're going to end up with chaos. You yeah. know, and and if <laughs> you've seen that. and yeah. if you've seen a few films at some festivals that do that, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, specifically, then, since uh, since, since we're gonna we're gonna do a second episode with you, where we'll talk about uh, producing mm-hmm. producing it. So oh, I got stories. <laughs> uh, so from a writing standpoint, then, um, what's your process? Where do you where where do you begin when it comes to writing? Well, I will say this. I mean, even though a lot of a lot of people in the indie world, they know me as a they mainly know me as a producer for In Fear Of, and mm-hmm. that's kind of because of putting it all together. Yeah. That's kind of where but, everybody knows but me. But knowing you, I know that. Writing is that, my love. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's writing, your first Writing love. is my first yeah. love. You if, love if, writing. If anything, it's writing. Because, yeah. you know, it's just a creative process. It doesn't cost any money to do it. <laughs> you know, well, to get the final draft program, it's like 100, well, but that's it. Yeah, but then that's everything yeah. for the rest of, yeah. I, you know, me personally, I, I'm not a big fan of writing. I get yeah. ideas. But when I'm writing a script, uh, uh, you, I saw you, like you posted earlier, you said you, you finished a script compared yeah, to most people. Earlier today, how do they the, feel? How do people feel? Are they happy or are they sad when they finish the script yeah it's it's weird i'm, I'm happy because yeah. i want to get relieved into produ- it's done I, yeah I, i'm a it production depends. person it so depends once the script is done that means we can move forward and yeah. i can start shooting <laughs> well you know it's funny i kind of look at the princess bride at the end when he's like uh manny patankin's ningo and he's like you know mm-hmm. i've been in the revenge business of yeah. so long and now that i fulfilled it i don't know what to do <laughs> that's exactly how i feel when i finish a film or i finish a script yeah you know it's like I mean, it's weird. For this particular script, I don't want to get too much into it, but, um, you know, I finished it. 
Um, it was actually a draft I've written a long time ago, and I went back to it and I changed everything with it. I started it again from scratch, so I mm. had that foundation I from a while that. ago. Oh, I hate that. Um, I actually enjoyed it this time around because I, you know, as I'm older, there was a lot more I kind of learned in life that mm. I didn't when I first wrote it over a decade ago. So okay. it's like I'm glad to do that because of those life experiences that I, I got had. You. But. It's weird because it was like I was a little disappointed when I finished it because I'd been working on it and working on it and working on it. And it's like, all right, well, what do I do next? And that's always the question I ask. But now I'm looking at it and I'm like, well, you know, now that I'm done, now, now, now that I finished it, I can now show it to people who I want to get involved with it. Now yeah. I can get that together. You know, yeah, it's like, that, and, that's and, my, and, that's and the what next I love. thing I do, oh, that's, from, that's my world. I'm like, well, you have a finished script. I want to color it. I want to break yeah. it down and <laughs> get my markers. Let's do this. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the next step. And it's like, you know, from that point in, most of the changes from that are usually dialogue tweaks or, yeah. you yeah. know, pacing issues. Well, and I think stuff that, like that. that's part of the, that's part of my reason for not wanting to, um, rewrite much because I know that when we get to set mm-hmm. things are going to change you yeah know, it depends on the director you get I mean I direct my own material mm-hmm. which I know a lot of a lot of writer directors are always like you know it's my way or the highway and you yeah. gotta listen you gotta write no, it you um, gotta say it yeah. every single syllable I say not. and I don't do that really? because you know a script is a blueprint yeah. and you know if they're and you're you know it's like you're bringing these talent you're bringing all this talent in you know, for not a reason. only to help you with it, but they're supposed to make their best job as well. So if you're bringing them in for a reason, listen to them yeah. and embrace yeah. it. Yeah, and well, if you, they have a better idea, use it. Well, you notice too when you're writing a script, you may have an idea for a character, and then you hire, and then you get an actor who's just like you just love them, yeah. even though they they may not have been the initial vision you had for the character. They are so good; they mm-hmm. may take it to places that you never even considered, yeah. and that is going to bring a whole new dynamic to the story and make it like. Like Theta states, we wanted it to be. Uh, I had written it for a different friend, for another friend who for for Mike Roach, and I I envisioned him near the end just being completely manic and off the wall and just being so totally over the top of yeah the, totally yeah. over the top and losing his mind from yeah. from the insomnia and the dreams and the nightmares and everything coming to life. I I, I pictured him being very like. I mean, like I, I don't, I, I can't even. I, I, we did a short with him, uh, Sleepless, which was the beginning of Theta States, okay. and that's what I wanted him to do at the end of Theta. You know, um, I wanted him to get like totally manic and off the wall, like he was, like he's on speed or something. You know, mm-hmm. but then Tom Ryan, when he did it, we didn't change. I didn't change the script. I gave it to him as is, and he took it to more aggression rather than mania. Yeah, which brought a whole different dynamic and it actually made the movie uh, darker yeah. but still less less of a horror and more of a sci-fi. Like yeah. it brought it more to kind of uh, um, uh, I guess I guess in that what was that uh, The Event Horizon. Yeah. More like Event mm-hmm. Horizon. Very like people like he's going crazy but it's causing this animal to come out of him. Yeah. You know like he became like this really enraged per I know and I and I had pictured originally being more like um almost like the Joker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more like the Joker mania. Yeah. You know? So it totally changed the movie. I think that it would have been scarier with Roach simply because he would have made it almost non human anymore. Yeah. You know, it would have brought him to to a level of someone that you never see. Like this person doesn't actually exist. This level of mania doesn't yeah. exist. But Tom Ryan made it more realistic, which made him more relatable. Yeah. And and I think people can connect to it more that way. So I, that, well, that's why I don't it, 
Well, you bring on something I remembered because I remembered, uh, you know, back uh, about 10 years ago when Project Greenlight was all the rage Mm -hmm. uh, for the finalists that they had, they all got the same script and were told to each do a film based on the script and all of them did different yeah. things with it. Yeah. You know, it's a perfect example of what you're saying and how, you know, it was the same Excellent. dialogue, the same thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it just goes to show you that a script in the hands of other people, it can yeah. be interpreted very many different ways. It's finding that right combination yeah. with it. Yeah. If I mean, this doesn't really have much to do with writing, but like, I think it really... Those those filmmakers who are like, this is my script and this is this the script is God. And there is no changing this, not even a word, yeah. Yeah. nothing. Like I think it's like they almost miss out on so much collaboration and creativity. Yeah. And like, I think in in some ways, like your characters or their your interpretation of what this would be, and you're not going to know everything. You haven't experienced mm-hmm. everything in the world, and you haven't walked through other people's exactly, shoes. Exactly. Yeah. So so okay, so actors will bring something that you never even yeah thought it's, to it's have. It's like it's like okay, we we all love Kubrick. Mm-hmm. And he did, you know, dozens of takes for everything. More like hundreds. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. he did so many numerous takes of everything. And so many people I yeah. know just want to be like Kubrick and just will do a hundred takes just for the sake of doing a hundred yeah, takes. Yeah, but no. Like, I want to be like Kubrick. Yeah, well, he did a hundred takes <laughs> because he wanted different styles. He wanted yeah. to see every scene done completely differently and then piece it all together. Yeah. And say, all right, well, like, like Jack Nicholson when he started really pushing him, you mm-hmm. know, he would get to a point where, where, where Jack Nicholson would get so upset that they were doing so many takes that and he not would just, direction. Yeah, yeah. And, not get, and yeah. he would just go ridiculous. He'd, and he'd, he'd do stupid faces and he would get ridiculous with it. Yeah. But Kubrick got and, what he wanted. And but no, yeah. but that's what yeah. Kubrick wanted. Exactly. He saw yeah. him do it in earlier, in earlier scenes. Cause they shot that film almost completely sequentially. Yeah. You know, cause that's how, that's how Kubrick shot. He shot yeah. sequentially. Yeah. So he saw that, that bit where Jack thought that where Jack Nicholson thought that he was ruining the take, but yeah. he's like, there's something in that that he loved. So he would just keep doing it until Nicholson got so annoyed that he would try yeah. to ruin the take. Like uh, the other one is um, in, in, in Dr. Strangelove, uh, what's his name? Um, George C. Scott. George C. Yeah. Scott. Yeah. He, he would, he would, he do, would play one take serious and then one take completely over the top. And well, he wanted him to do, he wanted yeah. to the over the top takes. He didn't realize they were rolling on them. Yeah. You know, because he just wanted to see. He would tell him, "Oh, let's just see it." Yeah. And they were rolling, and he put, and those are the takes he used in the film. And, and George off. C. Scott was yeah. really pissed, pissed him off, really pissed him really off. Much, and then but. years later, watching the film, he said, "You know what? This is one of my best performances." Yeah. Mm-hmm. He appreciated it later on because he couldn't see what it was. He was so blinded by just being upset yeah. at what he decided to use that he didn't see what the movie itself was. He was just, you know, yeah. But that's the director's interpretation yes. of what the script will be. So there's different, you know, things with that. Um, but. Getting back to what uh, you were saying, Lindsay, in terms of uh, collaboration, you know, screenwriting. When I started writing scripts, because my, my intention at first was just to be a screenwriter mm-hmm. and just to sell scripts and, and do that. I, I, I always wanted to be like a writer-director, um, but I kind of felt my love was in screenwriting. That's my biggest strength, so I figured I'd try that. And yeah. right. If I can sell a few scripts and get a job like, you know, working on a TV show, that'd be great, yeah. you know? Um, so there were, you know, at the time, this is like, two, this is like 15 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe dating myself, but, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, one of, well, one someone's got to date you. Well, one of the first, yeah. Well, one of the, <laughs> one of the first experiences I had was, you know, Francis for Coppola had Zoetrope.com where you could put your script on yeah. up there and people are looking at it. And there's always one guy who'd be like, the format's wrong. This script will never sell without even looking at the story. <laughs> oh, no. And he would always give it like one star. But there was another site, and I don't know if it's up now because I haven't been on it in a while, but Kevin Spacey ran it called Trigger Street. Hmm. And that's where I kind of really started to understand the basis of screenwriting because I yeah. didn't go to school for it. I learned through some of the best books. Yeah. You know, I picked them up and I read them and I read them and I reread them, you know, almost religiously for from like 1999 to 2002. And, and it took that three year period before I even began thinking of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, that way I can understand it, you know, that much better. I haven't read some of these in 15 years, but some of them I still, you it's, know, I still it's apply. in the memory bank. Yeah. It's in the memory yeah. bank, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's good to go back you. to it. Yeah. It's good to go back to it. But, you know, one of the things I remember was one of the scripts I had on that site was a top 10 script for 30 days and then it became oh, an wow. option. Hmm. You know, and uh, I mean, nothing happened for it, but at the time it was good because it was, there were like thousands of people on there and a lot of the advice was really good. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed that collaboration. That's kind of where the ball really started to get rolling yeah. on it. And, uh, when I decided to do short films, um, you know, I figured, well, let me do some short films, kind of get the ball, you know, get going on it. And I kind of like directing and writing at the same time but if I ever had a preference it would it would just be writing See, that's a huge thing I mean there's I think there's a lot of filmmakers out there who think that like oh once the script is done it's done and we just you know proceed and it's like no there's there's a whole process of letting people it, read yeah. it and giving getting yeah. input and feedback and they'll change it you know if you yeah. sell it they'll change everything oh, yeah. with it and I, you're just gonna have to accept that you know mm-hmm. and I have a I have a friend who's not into horror at all. He just yeah. likes movies, you know? Um, I mean, not that he's not into horror, but it's got to be a good horror. It's got to be really good. Yeah. And whenever I finish a script, I give it to him first. And I and, and I keep him totally in the dark. I say, here, read this. Let me know what you think. And, yeah. and I always look at it like, you know what? He's not my target audience. He's not the person I'm making this film for. But yeah. if he can read it and like it, then it's good. Because yeah. for number one, he knows I want his honesty. So he'll just outright say, "No, I don't like this at all." Yeah, this, I do the this, same. You know, yeah. I, I think I think that as a writer, you have to have someone like that. Don't give the script to your mother. Don't give it to your brother. Don't give it to your best. Grandma friend will your always wife. love yes. everything you do. Exactly. Your family yeah. and friends are always going to love it. Find that one person who is not. Uh, I'm not going to say somebody who doesn't like you, but, but although that would be the greatest thing, you get somebody who can't stand you, and they still say, "Oh, this is this is amazing." Find that person who can give you their honest unbiased opinion to say you know what that this one is friend good. that has no problem telling you that yeah I don't think you should wear that maybe you should go change yeah, no, they I should be reading your script who, I have quite yeah. a few <laughs> that, friend, of, me, that yeah. friend who says you know don't, don't quit your day job <laughs> yeah. yeah you know um, no, I hear you on that, but um, yeah. but I think there's another really. I mean, it doesn't really have to do with the writing as a process. But one thing that's getting to me now, I think, the more time we spend in this kind of indie scene, and the more kind of people that we meet, is that a lot of writers who are. I use the term lightly, I guess, uh, writers that are out there that are literally giving it to another independent filmmaker to go and make their movie. Mm. You see so many of these relationships go wrong. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's almost because the writer just, they, they because they don't have the life experience as a writer or if they just don't understand. It's because that, they're, uh, yeah. don't mean to interrupt. You know me. what I'm saying. It's because <laughs> they're so in love with their words. Yeah. You mm. know, it's like a director being so in love. It's, it's why... 
you know, and it took me a very long time to, to realize this. I'm an editor too. Yeah. Yeah. And oh God, you love every piece of footage you shot. You lo- oh, every piece <laughs> so hard to in cut. And, and there's people we know who do that where you look at the film and you see every single shot imaginable that they Blood did. Blood Massacre? Put what? in there. <laughs> um, I didn't say which one. But, um, actually, I wasn't thinking of that one. I'm, you know, I'm thinking of some we, other we are quite guilty but, of that. But, you know, it's interesting because I think with the indie world, it, it, it's, um, everybody just wants to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But, and when you're, when you're only stuck to one, I think a lot of people, they're so in love with that one thing that it's hard for them to take again, you know, just to get away from it. Yeah. You know, when I, I did a very personal short film a few years ago that I wrote and directed and everything. Mm-hmm. And when I was putting it together, I needed somebody else to do it because I was too involved too with close close to to, it, too close to it, too close to it. And I'm glad I did because it turned out to be a better yeah. film as a result. Mm-hmm. And with writing, it's tough, you know, but it's like, as long as you accept that writing is a blueprint, mm-hmm. you know, and it's fine. You know, I come up with an idea virtually almost every day. Like I come up with a new wow. idea yeah. and, I'll write it down, but I'll write it down as a log line first and I'll, I'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of gives you some time to separate from the initial idea yeah. and the love that you had for the initial idea. Yeah, but you there's give yourself some, the gift of time. Yeah, but you know, there's some scripts I have that are favored over others where mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, yeah. I would love to direct this myself, but there are others where I'd be like, I would love to try to sell this if yeah. I can. Right. You I know, have a couple and, and ideas like that. It's kind of a balance between the two, yeah. you know, and, um, yeah, I, I got a couple ideas like that that I that I like. I started writing. I was like two or three pages into it, and I, and I remember yeah. when I was writing it, I loved it, and I just never, I, it never fully formed. So you know, months, maybe two, three years later, I come back to it, and I look at it, and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Oh, there like, are scripts. Is like I was so in love with the idea at the time. Where the hell was I yeah. going with this nonsense? Like this is just I, crap. Yeah. I posted <laughs> a few months ago on Facebook, or I put down. I, I think I put down. I said, you know, I finally found the script I written 12 years ago. It was the first time. I looked at it in years mm-hmm. and it totally sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was. I looked at it and I'm like, how? What was I well, even thinking? Who was I, I back wrote? then? Yeah. Like, what was I yeah, even? That's the thing. Now, is that because it was bad, or just because you've learned so much since then? Your 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 standards have come up. Like, was it a really, mixture of both? Was it a bad idea a in general? Okay, yeah. it was yeah. more of a mixture of I f- both. I find that yeah. a lot. I find things that like this yeah. may have been a decent idea, but I just went about it so wrong. And 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 thinking about how how badly I went about writing yeah. it I almost can't re-envision it in a good way yeah well the one the funny thing I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this in a second um that I find interesting and, and it kind of does with filmmaking but also in a writing standpoint um you have to be a little bit psychic about the business as well yes. to try to see what's gonna be hot and everything God. like that but then <laughs> but then you have and you can tell when you see it what I'm I like to call I'm, I like, I'm good at that I like to call bandwagon writers yeah. who will just you know and I I've I've written a few scripts with some other people and I remember this one script I'm trying to sell and my co-writer on it found footage was the big thing at the time mm-hmm. and she wanted to make this whole found footage movie because she knew somebody who would give money to make it found footage and yeah. I'm like I don't like it yeah. and she's like well you don't like the concept of the other found footage I said it's not that I don't like the concept of it you didn't like doing it as a found footage I didn't like footage. doing it as a concept because she's like well we're gonna add first said you're gonna add these new characters who are supposed to be this like ghost crew or something like that and I just told him I said it's it's a horrible idea for one reason and she goes and she goes why I said because you're taking the story away from the from the main narrative that we have which is the main character it's taking, yeah. you know it's not from their point of view if you're gonna do that you're gonna take the entire point of view away you might as well rewrite the entire script and that's, yeah. that was the argument I had I wound up winning the argument you know which is a rarity for me <laughs> but 
it was it was just one of those things where she just wanted to sell something, and I'm like, if you're just going to do it to try to sell something, you know, I understand that, but it has to be formed as as a found footage. It then. would have to be formed as something else, but you yeah. got to have a good reason why you want to do that because, you know, I mean, just getting a check is great, the- but. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you'll be pigeonholed into doing doing nothing but found footage films for the the end of time. I mean, not only that. I mean, you have more success when you're actually the the founder of something. When you actually kick off the newest trend, you're gonna you get more success and get more notoriety that way than you know actually producing a subpar genre. You know, yeah, hot moment of you know trend of the moment or whatever. Yeah, and you got to look at like certain things and certain trends that are happening. But also, you just want to do things. And 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 the other thing is, well. Aside from that, maybe you you know think of something that could start to trend yourself, which is which is more difficult, but it's something that could be achieved. Yeah. You know, I don't think uh, a perfect example is one of the best uh, screenplays. I think that should be studied is uh, Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Nobody was looking for anything like that, no. and it just came out and it just started this whole new wave. So, yeah. you know, I mean, if there's one script I would say to check out as far as like just learning structure and 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 everything like that, it's probably that one. You know, it's not even my favorite Tarantino film, but it's, yeah. uh, you know, that, that's a script. I love Pulp Fiction too, but Death Proof is my favorite of his. I love, <laughs> love, love Death Proof. Absolutely love it. I'd love to read the script one day and see how close to the dialogue yeah. is in there versus what they made come to life. Because yeah. a, a lot of their, I know a lot of people like see Death Proof and the, the girls' conversation. Like they're just like, yeah. oh my God, they're going on about nothing. But that's just because are you interested in what these characters have to say or are you just uh, like, waiting I'm for them wa- to die? Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> I watch it like I, I think that they're very well written and, f- and formed, created because you become character. attached to them. So when that moment happens, you miss them on screen. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, exactly. You know. I think that's what makes it so for, so for good. a film in a genre. That's that's very tough to do. Yeah. You want it. You want it to be missed. You want them yeah. to be missed when they're not. And on what the I anymore. what I really love about Death Proof is that he did it twice in the course of one film. Yeah, he yeah. got two totally separate sets of protagonists, built them up, mm-hmm. you know, and then brought them to an end. Yeah. and you. You gave a shit about both sets. You yeah. really did, yeah. and 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 I think that the fact that you watched the first set come to such a grisly end made it so much better. When because yeah. you revenge. knew you knew it was coming for the other one, yeah, and, and you're you like, were just oh like, god, you were no, already you upset did. for the first. Exactly, yeah. you already you already watched this happen to the beginning. Now you're just expecting it to happen again, and you're like, oh god, no! It I, raised I, the stakes now, in this like way that that yeah. it would, nothing else would yeah, have. You now, knew much, exactly yeah. what was going to happen to them. Now, as much as I said, Pulp Fiction should be a script that studied. I was kind of thinking about it as you said that. You know, Reservoir Dogs is a perfect example yeah. of doing yeah. a script in one location. Mm-hmm. In terms of if you're looking to do something on a on a on a budget or if you're thinking budget conscious and you just want to do it, yeah. you know, films like that. As indie people, your script has to fucking shine. Let's get into happen. let's 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 focus on that then. Okay, let's get into that then. Um, a lot of mainly what we're what 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 we like to who we're talking to here. Yeah, is those people who are really starting their first, second, maybe even their third film. They, these okay. are the people who are like us, who are working full-time jobs and making their films on the side. Yeah. So every single thing we shoot, every day that we schedule is extremely important because we don't have the next 30 days set aside to make this movie where, oh, well, you know what, let's take our time. And, no, we don't yeah. have that. Well, I do now because I'm special. No. Well, no, <laughs> yes. That's why you are no, a snowflake, my, my friend. A little bit different. No, no, I get what you're saying. Um, so when you're yeah. going into your first, let's, let's 
for argument's sake, let's say your first feature. Okay. You know? Now, you you haven't made a feature yet. You've made... Well, technically... I, I, your own written, directed, as completed One narrative feature, feature no, but the yeah. way I kind of looked at it, because some, uh, somebody famous uh, said this to me, um, don't, you know, uh, he's like, so you haven't done a feature? I said, well, I did, you know, I, if you put all the episodes of... Yeah in fear of that I wrote and directed together they come to an hour and 40 minutes and he's like oh. alright you did a feature so yes. I kind of look at it that but well, as far as like as a an full- anthology though as an anthology even even if you made it to be that yeah. way I mean technically then if you did it that way you did an ABC's a death of your own it is you it know? is and, and that's one way that a lot of people do it because they do shorter because um yeah, you know, it's like, oh, if we do a short film and we get everybody together, we yeah. can all show like, you know, what we can do in short burst. Well, you know, as, as um, an indie person told me from around here, mm-hmm. from a very prestigious company here, Glass Eye, <laughs> said to me, um, I, can, I can say the name on this, James Felix yeah. McKenney. I remember he said to me one time, he's like, well, all you're doing with a feature, That's you're nice. just doing the same thing you did at a short. It's just more days. That's, yeah. that's all it is. He's like, so you're doing everything already. It's just you're doing it in a longer base of time. So, you know, and what he's saying is right. For for somebody doing a first feature, uh, as I'm actually currently trying to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, the first thing that's good if you really want to get budget conscious. Um, I mean, if you're going to write, write to your heart, heart's concern and do whatever you want. But if you yeah. want to do something that you want to direct as well, or if you want to, you know, get out there, you know, you do have to think budget with it. And, yeah. and then from a writing standpoint, and I've been doing this now a lot lately, it becomes more challenging to do that because you have to look at what basis of what you have and what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now I'm going to be selfish. Okay. Um, I'm actually, I have, I'm not a writer. I am way too much of a producer to be a writer, but I'm okay. actually trying it now. Mm-hmm. I am a marathon writer. I like to come up with an idea and mull it around for about right. three, Just let four you know years. I charge money for uh, screenwriting consultations. <laughs> Listen, you're, you're, getting, you're getting some publicity here, okay? I'll take Monopoly money. <laughs> I'm that desperate. I'll tag, you in, I'll tag you in the, film, in the Filmmaking Sucks okay. cost, cast post. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a marathon writer. I like to come up with an idea and then let it marinate for like three, four years. Um, and then finally put it, the pen to page. At least it's not 30. <laughs> you know, I, I'm one of those guys where it's like, I'm one of those people where somebody will tell me, Oh, I have this available and I have that available. And then an hour later I'll come up with a script, uh, you know, for one episode. See, I'm good at that. I can yeah. do those like 48 hour film competitions. Yeah. You give me the rules and regulations and I'll come up with something. But it's like when I actually like care about I it, be, I should be doing more of those to be yeah. honest with you. Cause yeah. they're, they're fun. They're so fun. They're a lot of fun. I could probably knock a line out, but, uh, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Those yeah. are a lot of fun because uh, it gives you kind of a, a guideline. But um, uh, uh, yeah, so so to, to my the- question. Anyway, so here's yeah, my problem. <laughs> so um, so I have this idea. I've been mulling it around for about three or four years. I'm finally putting it down. I'm I'm 11 pages in, and I have that little producer voice in my head popping up and saying, "What are you doing?" We don't have this location. What are you doing? Because I came up with this idea that worked in like one location and that was it. And now it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. All right. Well, there's a (laughs) script I just finished Uh that I'm looking to do where I had, you know, it's about this this main character. He's basically, he feels trapped in this one place. Mm -hmm. And when I was writing it, I rewrote it. I finished this earlier today and I'm writing it. And when I rewrote it, I got to page like 80 and... You know, and I'm going through it, and I'm like, okay, he's trapped in the theater. He's doing all these things, and then I I went back as I'm realizing, you know, there's scenes of him outside of it, and I'm like, that doesn't describe it as well. So I kind of went back to it, 
And I wrote it because and it's funny because when I first wrote it, I didn't have any theater in mo- anything in mind when I did. Mm-hmm. I kind of almost gave it away without giving it away, but uh, <laughs> I had no location of mind doing it. And then when I rewrote it, I I do. Yeah. So it was like, all right, well, if I have this one location and I know I can film there and I can do a lot of things there, I'm going to keep as much as I can within the in theater. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of thought it actually will benefit the script better that way because this character feels trapped in it and it's better to not show him not give the, audi- the audience any release at, at all yeah. right you know so so that's where it's one of the things that, that benefit with it I mean if you now see, since you're a producer yes <laughs> alright so you're looking to do this yourself I yeah. mean you're not looking for anybody else to do it but you're doing it so mm-hmm. I would say for, for you it's probably best to write what you know and put everything that you know in it you know to start locations you have people you know that you know will do it for for a bagel and, and you know mm. a, you know as i like to say a bagel and a hand job <laughs> um <laughs> no but you know um but people you know that would do it and but also look for people Is that, that how you benefit. got debbie Rochon? <laughs> no comment <laughs> um, no i'll tell you right now the reason why i got debbie Rochon is because she fucking loved the script i sure. sent her yeah <laughs> so um <laughs> You know. oh, no, no, I meant did you offered her a hand job. That's that's she can do a lot better than me. Um, <laughs> well, that's sorry. that's why you bring the bagel. That's, yeah, that's how see, that works. The bagel, you gave her a bagel and a hand job. You got to put the bagel somewhere. Um, <laughs> you got to hang it somewhere. In other words, um, anyway, no, but I would I would suggest doing that just to get you know, just to feel comfortable with it. For your first draft though, I would say just let it go. Just, just let it just go let and it then go, go back. Yeah. Do what you, you know, whatever you have, just think of no limits with it. And then in later drafts, you're going to have to start to peel yeah. it out and say, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Yeah. You know, I think one, that's the best way to write. I'm going to tell you right now. Just write. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, one of the episodes that, um, for in fear of my, one of my regular writing partners wrote an episode for it and she gave it to me and I looked at it and I'm like, it's great, but there's one problem. And she goes, why? I said, I don't have $75,000. And she says, well, what's the problem? I said, well, you have this funeral scene, you know, and this is, this is probably, I, this is probably better for the, for the producer thing, but from a writing standpoint, see, I had to tell her this from producing a standpoint to a writer. So as yeah. a writer, you have to be prepared for, for a meeting like this because you'll have everything set and you'll have everything that you want to do with it. And then you, and then they're like, well, you know, we only have this, so you're going to have yeah. to change it to that. Yeah. And as a writer, you have to you you have to keep your ego aside enough to understand that that's going to benefit the project a lot better. Right. You know, the good thing is that, you know, I'm planning on putting in fear of the television. So I, I told her that first draft, save it for when we go to television, if we get to television, because it's a perfect television script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll keep that in because we will have the money for it. But for this, you're going to have to change it because you had this whole funeral scene. I'm like, well, first off, I need to I need to get a funeral home. Or even if I get mm-hmm. it for free, I got to doubt because she, she put, okay, it's decorated with flowers. I said, I got to buy a whole bunch of flowers. Oh, it's yeah. $2,000 right there. It's $2,000 of flowers. Yeah. You know, it's thousands of dollars of flowers. It's like, yeah. I don't have that. So we got to change it to something else. And it worked out a little bit better and actually scarier hmm. you know instead of having it in a funeral home we had it in a, in a in a bedroom okay like you know this creepy bedroom and it just worked better because it's like because this little kid's supposed to go to a funeral home and she's supposed and you know this evil relative is supposed mm-hmm. to pop up and grab him and i'm like it's much better in the comfort of a room because it's it's home it's sanctuary yeah, yeah and death is and somehow in the her, home it's yeah it's yeah. sanctuary it's it's the place that they know it's going to be it's it's a lot scarier to do it there than in a place that the kid will never be at again in a very yeah. sterile atmosphere, in a very sterile atmosphere. Yeah. it's one of those things where it's a matter of how important is the location versus the scene itself mm-hmm. you yes. know uh when we uh, with theta the um the restaurant scene 
Back to you again. Yeah. Well, yes, back to me again. No. <laughs> the restaurant scene was originally written as a nightclub. Yeah. You know, and uh, the conversation when she asks him out, she was originally, like in the beginning of the film, when he first yeah. meets her, says we, she says we should go out for drinks. Originally, that was supposed to be a co-worker's birthday. Like, oh, we're yeah. all going out for this, for this party. And later on, they'd be in a nightclub, and then he would have his hallucination and pass out from all the blinking lights and all that stuff, yeah. you know? But... Uh, we had a location we could have gotten that I, it wasn't even going to be a nightclub. It was actually going to be a strip club because I know a guy who manages a strip club. Imagine my shock. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I but but we said number one, uh, do we want to go through all that? Yeah, that bigness well, of me, it. Me, and, and, and number interrupt. two, do I okay. want to ex- do I want to uh, uh, expend that connection for a scene that doesn't need to be a nightclub? Like we need yeah. to get. The feeling of the scene, rather than, rather than the actual location. Yeah. So let me hold the strip club off until, like, you know what? This has to be a strip club. All right. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna keep you on this for yeah. a moment because Theta, you just, you know, completed it. It's winning awards everywhere, you know, nationwide. Uh, you know, nationwide being New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, and yeah. Indiana. Uh, but Canada, we got Canada. Oh, we got, Can- oh, we look got Canada. Canada. International now. Yeah, okay. We were finalists in L.A. already too. Oh, yeah. look at this. Yeah, see, bi coastal. Uh-oh. North America. You're moving up in the world. You're going to ignore me in half a second. Uh, What'd you say? Nothing. Just kidding. Who are you? How'd you get in my apartment? Uh, You know, these things happen. Um, You know, uh, bagel and a blowjob. That's how I got here. Ah. Um, It was awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, actually, it was a hand. Whatever. It's still funny. But when you were writing Theta, because. You know, Theta's a very, you know, you, you go very deep into sleep hypnosis mm-hmm. and all that, but you were looking into that most of all. That was the first thing you were really looking yeah. at into it. From there, you probably went, did you go in there like, okay, where can I shoot at? It's like you have a scene in an auto shop. You obviously knew somebody and you got yep. somebody that, in there. So it's like, okay, we got Originally, it was a supermarket. Yep. Okay. I had originally well, written it. Yeah. And yeah. again, it was one of those things. It really doesn't matter where he works. Oh, we battled. We battled so hard on it, though. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, he wanted a very blue collary kind of guy. Um, you didn't want an office worker. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, offices are a dime a dozen. You can get an office, you know, you can get something that looks like an office. It's just yeah, here's yeah. an office chair and here's a desk. Done. You know, um, so as a producer, we battled, you know, and, and yeah. we finally kind of came up with something that we had access to that still kept the character as he wanted him and as he created him. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, but that's, but you did it to benefit, mm-hmm. that, and I think you got a better result at, you yeah. know, out of it. But I think it made it more real, for sure. Yeah, and so when, but that all begins when you're writing a script and you try to get everything together about this character, and you're getting it together. It's like, okay, well, now we need to incorporate this moment into everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's one example of a rewrite, like a major mm-hmm. rewrite. It's like, okay, we're going to change the profession, yeah. you know. I, well, I think, I think it'd be actually interesting if we use Theta as a case study, because when you wrote Theta, you were actually following very clear... Plot points. Yes. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's, that's a really good segue into story I, structure since we have two. Well, we have one master writer here and somebody who actually followed the <laughs> yeah. structure properly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, You're talking about the cat. You know, see yeah. the cat. Yeah. I, I followed. I followed. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. We were talking about before we started recording. Oh, Blake I can't, Snyder. still can't remember. Is it Blake? No, Blake's no, no. no not, save not, the cat? Not Save the Cat. No, the other one. He wrote Writer's Journey. Oh, Writer's Journey. Yeah. Originally, uh, it started with his study into Joseph Campbell. Doing okay. uh, the hero's journey, and then it, and then he and then he studied uh, uh, save the cat, and yeah. uh, save the cat is something that I think every screenwriter needs to needs to read. Yes, you really need to read it. It's very it's very uh, much in talks yeah. about structuring your script. Mm-hmm. 
um, toward your audience and a producer. Yeah, it, it works in it works in multiple ways. Mm. It, it's mainly Save the Cat. I think is more beneficial for somebody who's looking to sell a script. Yes, exactly. Um, as opposed to doing it yourself, because you know one one thing with me is I didn't you know as I said I didn't go to screenwriting school. I I learned mm. on my own. Um, you know, there are quite a few books that I had with it. Save the Cat, I did pick up a little bit later. And um, I have written, I mean, it's it's actually interesting. The script that I have the best chance of selling is the script that followed that formula yeah. to the T, which is Open Wounds, which I've told you about, my script Open Wounds. And um, so it does work. It is a great source. So know, let's get what into is what Save those the Cat? Are. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's get into what those it. are. They're all yeah. based on Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. Yes. They're all based on that. Which, if you've seen uh, Star Wars, you pretty much know the hero's journey. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, Joseph Campbell uh, Joseph Campbell studied tons of different things, and he did yeah. lectures for decades, you know, about writing and story structure. And I think he came up with, was it him came up with the fact that there's only eight types of story? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. every single story, every movie, every book you've ever written, read, excuse me, every book, every book or movie you've ever watched or read, Follows one of eight story structures. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how they combine the others into is totally up to the writer. But when it comes down to it, you have eight eight types of story. Okay. Yeah. So number one, my first advice: um, stop trying to be so original when you're first when you're first starting out. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, unless you are, and this is, and some, of, and I'm sure some of the people out there are, unless you are a talented, and I mean extremely naturally talented writer like Tarantino or Kevin mm-hmm. Smith, if you are one of uh, Stephen King, you are one of those extremely yeah. talented writers. But I'm going to say about Tarantino. Tarantino didn't set out to be different. Tarantino no. just did what he wanted to do. Yeah, he just did it because he liked that kind yeah. of stuff. Oh, he the, didn't like do Kevin it to change Smith, the world. He has the brain. Yeah, he has the this mind. He's that's the one in a million mind. Yeah. yeah, they are very exceptionally talented writers. Yeah, be original because you, because it's something that you have in your head. Don't be original because you you just want to be different than yes, everybody exactly. else. Don't so many try. people do that mistake. Don't try for it. Just write. Yeah, you exactly. know, and maybe maybe you'll find out that you are one of those when you gain that confidence to just do mm-hmm. you know but uh, they they, but, they both I mean Kevin Smith I know he went to film school and he didn't graduate but he was there for a little bit yeah. you know so yeah. he was probably in there for screenwriting 101 and I'm sure Tarantino read about a bazillion books and studied and broke down every script Tarantino, in ways that we can't even Tarantino do so. took Dove Seaman's class yeah. I was just about Simon's, to talk about that which I took, did too oh uh, yeah I yeah. I've, uh, I got the, had the DVDs I watched like the first two of them yeah you know when it was all just about Getting yeah. getting started. I, I mean, I went I to a lot of it. seminars. I went yeah. one with uh, uh, it was a writer David Freeman who does a lot of. Uh, I think he wrote a video game script and mm-hmm. a couple of other things. Like he did, he's does a lot with that. I remember taking his seminar a few years back mm-hmm. and applying some of those techniques in there. His, his seminar is more about characters. Yeah, you know. Um, but no, you're right. And um, you know, one thing that's very important if you de- if you're definitely going to sell it is. I always start in a log line hmm. and I always yes. take it from there because if you're going to pitch it to somebody, you need that log line solid because yeah. one of the scariest things you have to do is, okay, like I just finished a script that's 129 pages. I now yeah. have to condense that in one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And the truth is if you can't, then you don't know your maybe story. You're not even, you know your story. Maybe your story is too convoluted. Yeah. You know, you know, and if you can't yeah. bring it down to that 15 words, 
Yeah. You know, it's what what are the South Park guys, uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they have that what is it? If then but. Yeah. You know, if mm-hmm. this happens then that, but if this yeah. happens but this then that, you know, yeah. take every single every one of your scenes, break them down into into a couple of words. Like this happens and then that happens yeah. because of that. If you can't break right, what are, what are their exact they, it's a very specific order where yeah. um if you can't do that with each scene, then you're just being repetitive. Yeah. Every scene kind of has to, um, for lack to, of a better term, contradict the previous exactly. one. It has to yeah. be a result of that and then an action. Which was a mistake I made in a lot of my earlier scripts where it was just it was the same thing happening over and over and over again. Yeah. And when and, you, and you end point, up re- being very so repetitive. I had, to go, I had to go to a point where it's like, okay, well, what's going to happen in this? Mm-hmm. And, and you know that's when you start adding subplots, and yes. subplots are good for the story, but you don't need to talk about them in your yeah. logline. And again, it depends you on know? how talented of a writer you are, yeah. in order to get all those subplots in there without being repetitive. We did yeah. that blood slaughter. I think we got repetitive because he had one yeah. kill after another, you know. And I was using the kills as a way to to uh, uh, kind of span time. Like, okay, we've been chasing yeah. this killer for three, four days in a row, and at the end of every night was another kill. Did we actually have to see every one of those kills, though? Probably no. not. We got it. He's been chasing this killer. Maybe we could have... But yeah. well, we just had some like really my, great kill scenes, yeah. so I didn't want to cut them out. <laughs> well, it's funny. Yeah, my, my short film in Stacebo was like that because we had a, a scene with a serial killer and he was on his eighth victim. Mm-hmm. And we had all the victims... He has a scene where he's looking at all his victims. And we were actually toying with the idea of, okay, well, can we start... We'll do the whole process. Yeah. We'll start with his first victim when he decides to do it. And it could have worked. Got it. You mm-hmm. know? But I'm like... By the time you get to the fourth one, the audience is going to be bored to fucking death yeah. because it's the same thing over and over again. There needs mm-hmm. to be some conflict within there, yeah. you know. And and it, it's very difficult. But what you got to do is you got to make sure that the subplots find their way into into the main plot, yeah. And that everything you know tightens together, mm-hmm. you know, with, with the scripts I've written recently. And you could still do that. I mean, this is mainly for features. I mean, you could still kind of do that in a short if you have well, enough characters. Yeah, I want to. I want to let's focus on features. All right, we're focusing on yeah, features. Focusing it, on it, features. You know, you have to make sure everything comes together. Okay. You know, uh, there's one of the scripts that I've written and I've, and I've, and I've pitched it and I've, I've talked to people and one of the things that they've said about it, this is my script open wounds. They're like, you know, it starts off in one place that we would never have thought it would have gone to this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this is something that takes place in different time periods where things have happened and it's like this whole town history. You know, I basically wrote it based on my experiences living in a, in a town famous for a haunted house, <laughs> but nobody would ever get that yeah. right. reading it. You know, it's because of my experience doing that, but everybody's like, I can't believe when I read it, they're like, wow, you, there were all these little subplots going on and they're like, I can't believe you got it all to work. Yeah. Like a needful thing. You know, 18 drafts later, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things you have to make sure everything fits into the narrative. One of the things with the script that I just finished today was I changed, the main story was there, but when I rewrote it from scratch, I changed every single subplot there was to it and Mm -hmm. made a different conflict for it. Okay. And added in new characters and new situations that I think make the script better. And then as I'm writing it, I'm realizing that this does fit into the whole thing because this is about a this is about a main character falling in love. Yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, it's a boring thing, but he needed to be around younger people. You know, um, basically he's there's this film class in this location, so he's they're learning stuff, mm. and he's understanding what they're going through by what he didn't experience. Okay. He's kind of experiencing it through them and then he kind of realizes near the end that 
he's looking at what they're going through and he realizes, Oh, what have I done with myself? And, mm. and things like that. When he sees one of them is falling in love with, with a classmate and he's having his own experience with love. He kind of looks at that person and said, you know, you got to go, what you got to go for. And when he's, when that person finally, when a student has the courage to do it and does it in this location, our main character sees it. And he, that's the catalyst for him to say, I need to do what I need to do now. Yeah. You know, and I, and I didn't get it to that point first. I didn't know if I was going to get there, but once I did, I, you know, that's the moments where I'm happy because yeah. I'm like, Oh, everything is now, yeah. everything's turning into one now and it's, and it's all good. And, you know, so it, it, it's very rewarding when you get there, but it's one of those things where you have to pace everything well, but you got to have that main plot first, but it, you got to get certain things. If you're going to have a lot of characters in certain things need to develop with it. And, and it's very important for every character to have an arc, you mm-hmm. know, the hero's journey. That's, you know, where it comes to, yeah. you know, Luke Skywalker is the best example he, he, in episode four. Absolutely. Another not. one from another perspective. Uh, to me, the two best examples of character arcs mm-hmm. in any script are Luke Skywalker in Star Wars New Hope yeah. and Michael Corleone in the original Godfather. Yep. Two best character yeah. arcs, hands yeah. down, in any film, any script you'll ever read. Well, w- we can question. We can talk. Uh, let's let's start with Star Wars then, because okay. uh, we can we can go we can all sit here and go on and on about our own stories. For, yeah, I think this is gonna yeah. be another two parter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get let, let's get into let's get into some of the, the technical like, the technicals the rules. <laughs> okay, okay, and, and when we say rules, these are all uh, uh, bendable. Okay, okay. Uh, remember, rules are. Thank you, dog. Uh, rules, they're not rules per se. These are guidelines, okay? Yeah. These are things where, let's just say you're writing your first script, your second script, whatever. You're writing a script, and uh, you're trying to figure out where to go with it and mm-hmm. how to move this story along, okay? Yeah. Uh, specifically, the idea of Star Wars. Now, everybody's seen Star Wars, the first one, New Hope. Yeah. George Lucas followed the hero's journey to a T. He was a huge fan of um, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. And I believe he knew Joseph Campbell. He was a student of yeah, his. Yeah, he was a student of his. Yeah, he was an actual student of Joseph Campbell and he wrote a story to follow the hero's journey exactly. All right? Okay. And uh, as a result of that, you have, uh, 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 and, and this is what's um, expanded on more specifically in Save the Cat and the writer's mm-hmm. journey, um, you have beats that you have to hit through the course of a script. So like if a producer is going to read your script, all right, let's say you hand your, uh, okay, uh, a Hollywood producer is -hmm. going to look at your script not as a script. It's going to, he's going to look at it as a blueprint. Yeah. And certain Mm -hmm. things have to happen by certain points of the script. In your first page, the first thing a producer is going to look at is how much dialogue versus action is there. I'm missing there for a second. Mm Mm-hmm. What you said there, blueprint. Yeah, that is the one that is hands down the hardest thing for a writer to understand. Yeah, if you can understand that point, you that is the one thing that keeps a lot of writers blocking themselves yeah. from moving forward. Mm-hmm. Is absolutely you think of it as a blueprint, and I think and a lot of exactly writers that I know. They don't look at it that way. Well, you know what it is? So. It's because a lot of us start off writing stories and then we move into scripts. Yeah. And they, they, what, what writers need to understand is that a, a story or a novel versus a script are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Novels and short stories, and they don't have rules. You can do yeah. anything. You can go anywhere because yeah. you're, you're invested in the character differently. You know, uh, when, when, you, when it's just written word, you're, you actually give the audience the ability to interpret 
things yeah. their own way exactly. in multiple different That's ways. That's why I have difficulty writing novels because I'm a very visual guy in yeah. my scripts. I, I write a lot of visuals. I put like yeah. a lot of moments in a scene. Well, like Stephen that, King so. is very visual too. Yeah. That's personally why do I don't that. like many of his books. There's yeah. too much detail. I feel like some people read his books and, and, and he creates this world and they love it. Anne Rice does the same thing. Yeah. Creates this whole world and they can picture it. Me personally... I, I don't want to know all that. I kind of want to fill in those details when I'm reading something, you yeah. know? But that's also why a lot of his stories do translate pretty well into film. Yeah. The problem is a lot of his endings don't translate to film well because it's so detailed from this point to from the beginning to the end. There's so much yeah. detail. By the time you get to an end of a Stephen King book, there's no other way that it could have ended. But yeah. in a film, you're you're limited to what you can physically show yeah. on screen. But you just explained the reason why his adaptations have why his film adaptations are so successful. Yeah, because he he pretty much puts all the work in there in he a does. novel form. He does. You know, it's like you know adapting a Stephen King script. It, it's funny because there's some people that say, "Oh, I'd love to adapt a Stephen King strip." I would be terrified to do so, just <laughs> just in the fact that there's so much to because it. there's so much there. Yeah, and it takes a lot to know where to cut. It it does, you and know? and um, you know, look, he hated The Shining, Stephen King, because d- Kubrick. Well, but Kubrick, well, you know, you know what? I think that started because Stephen King had written his own script treatment for it. Yeah, and Kubrick said, "Nope, I don't want." He didn't even look at it. Yeah, he ref- he didn't he didn't want anything. That, no, now, from he, a writing standpoint, you got to understand what King was at the time. He just became successful yeah. at the time. Yeah, so that's probably King's ego going. Well, you know, who is he to mess with my vision? Yeah. And he now still feels the same. Way. Like I don't give a shit. He still know? feels the same. Oh no, he's yeah. even more so. He's, he's not with, very with, much with like some that. other things. He's a yeah. little bit more protective of his brand. Yes, but yeah. I think he's a little bit more laid back in terms of certain mm-hmm. things. He's like let some of the directors, you know, do their thing and that's it. Yeah, you know, he'll be disappointed in some areas, but you know, it's mm-hmm. funny when you look at one some of what some of his favorite adaptations are, and you know what are some of his favorites. I think, I think he just really likes Frank Darabont. That's what it is. Well, I think that they're just really Darabont's in a class all, all yeah. himself. I, I think know? that they're really just good friends, and he's like, you know what, you do whatever you want. I trust you, and he just kind of yeah. gives him, oh, you want to do another one of my movies? Go for it. Have fun. And do another book. Yeah. Oh, well, here, Darabont here, here, did the dollar this. short. Here, That's why King has the dollar short, and Darabont yeah. probably is the yeah. best example from that because that, his dollar short lost his career. That's really cool. Uh, um, for, the, for anybody who doesn't know this, Stephen King does the dollar shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he where, still does it. He still does it, yeah. yeah. Uh, where you can, you, if you are a student, uh, number, it has to be a student. You can't be a student. You have to be a student filmmaker. You can contact Stephen King and uh, he will sell you the rights to turn one of his short stories, not his novels, yeah. his short stories into a script for a dollar. Yes. Okay. Um, you cannot, you can't put it online, you can't sell it, you can't do film festivals, you can't do anything with it. Uh, You can't do anything where you're going to get any sort of real notoriety for it, but yeah. he wants to allow you to take an actual an actual good story that's a formatted written, story, a formatted, yeah. well written story, and make your first film with it. So you yeah. have to be a student. He's got other little rules here and there, but if you contact him about it, he will let you. There actually yeah. is one film festival called I think it's called the Dollar Shorts Yeah Festival. Yeah, he, where he, it's the only one you're allowed to put them yeah. in. You know. And he uh, helps and I think run it. He I, picks the best yeah, one. And, I think there's and, even a time limit on to how long the film can be. Yes, you know, you know but that's where Darabont started. But that that's mm-hmm. a good example of adaptation. I mean, one of the things I've read on a lot of it, um, you know, if you go to Masterclass, Aaron Sorkin, who is a very good writer, he wrote mm-hmm. uh, A Few Good Men, The Social Network, which yeah. is a film. There's a lot of TV stuff. Too. Yeah, but Social Network is a film that has no business being as good as it is. It's a film yeah. about <laughs> Facebook and it's riveting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of my favorite films this decade. Oh wow! You know, and it's like you know, that's somebody you want to yeah. learn from if he's, a, you know, and he's great at adaptation. And, you know, one of the 
um, one of the in one of his classes, he talks about that. And for one of the assignments that he gives, is you take any story that you want, a public domain story, and you write ten pages of, the, of an adaptation. Okay. You know, and and I I chose uh, Edgar Allan Poe's The Old Portrait, which is a right. two page okay. yeah. Yeah. It's a two-page poem, and I wrote that into a ten-page adaptation. Which wow. you know, well, see, there's and I didn't think about of... budget and everything like that. I no. went for it, and I would like to do it. I just need a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> there's something you know. a lot of people. So, can if there's do. anybody out there who has a hundred thousand dollars and is a big fan <laughs> of Edgar Allan Poe, yeah. Well, there's something that a lot of a lot of a lot of start out uh, filmmakers can do. Even if you can't come up with an idea for a script, instead of racking your brain to try to write something good, yeah. there's tons of stories out there that are public domain. How Ed- many people? People Edgar do Dracula and Frankenstein. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You can you know, take those. And just because studios. Universal owns the character, it's, they don't own the book. Yeah. Dr- Dracula, Frankenstein, those are, those are Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Mm. Lovecraft, you know, uh, I think, what's it, H.G. Wells. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of these old, old stories. Anything before like 1920. Old, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Anything written before like 1920 or 1925 is public domain. Yeah. Exactly. They're all public domain. Take one of those stories and just adapt it and make it yourself. It doesn't have to be a great story. The whole point is to get it doesn't have to be a great adaptation the movie itself doesn't yeah. have to be wonderful the whole point is to get yourself making a movie and to get and your mind wrapped around even, what a story you know, should yes. look like and how feel we, like and, exactly how yeah. to tell a story through the course of a film yeah i mean everybody uh you know the greatest writer of all is probably shakespeare mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of people do adaptations of his work his you know? movie his stories have been done so many times you it's it's you can't even count yeah. How many times Romeo and Juliet has been redone? Yeah, you know how many times they use that as a structure for their own original work? A lot of writers do that oh, as yes. their own structure. Absolutely. So, I mean, but even his movie, even his story, I keep calling the movies, even mm. his stories are not originals. He took yeah. them all. His greatest stories were not originals. Mm-hmm. They were all something he based it on other stories. Usually he, like the Greek you know? tragedies. And the exactly, yeah. yeah. Which is where Joseph Campbell gets it all yeah. from. Yeah. Everything that he writes now, everything that Joseph Campbell talked about is all based on Greek tragedies so and do, Greek romance. So do yourself romance a favor. And, go back and read the Greek tragedies. Read yes. the classic stories. They're the beginnings. Yeah, but there's also a lot of good screenwriting books out there oh, absolutely yeah. that you should read absolutely. and, and but read fiction, what are, what read are some of your what are some of your favorite uh, uh, screenwriting books well for screenwriting yes uh, particular the first one that I picked up mm-hmm. when I did it was was simply called screenplay by Sid field okay um, uh, that's that one like everybody mm-hmm. everybody has I mean, every screenwriter I've ever did. met says is Sid field Sid field yeah and <laughs> he does you know I think Blake does the you know save the cat they, they do the same thing with beats I think mm-hmm. Blake does it in a more modern way yeah like you said it's in a more it's, entertaining it's, way but it's, it's pretty much tell you how to sell it yeah, yeah it's the yeah. same thing you know yeah. and, there, and there's a lot and with Sid Field you know he talks um, a lot about um, you know certain scripts today that are that are good um, and follow the beats you know save the cat I belong to the website because uh-huh. I have a Save the Cat website. And what, what I get is I get beat sheets for popular films that come out. Even though Blake Snyder's gotcha. no longer with us, he has a team of people that put it together. Right. You know, I mean, one of my favorite films of all time is Silence of the Lambs, and he did oh. one of that recently, mm-hmm. you know, which is a... That, oh, cool. that film should be studied, like, everywhere. It's such a brilliant film on, on many levels. Um, but so, I would, you know, Save the Cat, I would recommend. So what are the beats that they, that, that since since you read a lot, since it sounds like you read those from time to time. Well, I haven't what, read what, them in a while, so it's hard for me to, well, you know. What are, what, are some, what are some of the beats that we're looking for in, in a screenplay? When you're writing your screenplay, like you're going to look at it as a thing. Yeah. Not as your story anymore. Now your screenplay is done. Well. And you want to look at it. As a thing, what are those beats that need to be hit? 
Well, I believe it's like, uh, you know, it's very specific in Blake yes. Snyder's way where yes. it's like the first, the first 10 to 15 pages set up the conflict. Yeah. It sets By, up everything, sets up the characters. And then from like 15 to 25, it's the conflict begins. And then mm-hmm. you end the first act on the first moment of that conflict. And then yes. the second act, which is twice as long, it's, you have certain beats where it's like, okay, so, you know, the hero is dealing with it. You get information on it. And then, you kind of hit that point where the hero's down, the hero's mm-hmm. devastated, everything's going bung, and that's when you begin the third act, when, which is usually around page 70 or 80, and then you bring it back together, yeah. and that's yeah. that's the last thing for like the last 15, 20 pages. It's, uh-huh. it's, in, every, it's, just, it's in just about every script, you know? Yeah. What, he uh, gets it down to the T, though, in terms of writing, because <laughs> that, he you does. know, it's like, that's how you sell it. Here's you know, what we're talking about. Here's yeah. some, here, give you the specific examples. In Star Wars... Uh, one of the rules is by 60 minutes into your film, which would be technically 60 pages, you're, yes. you're going to average out one page per minute. Now, it's not going yeah. to translate exactly that way, but when you average the entire film, generally one page per minute of film. Yeah. Again, the, 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 two pages of dialogue comes out to one minute, but half a page of action comes out to one minute. Yeah. So you average it out. But, uh, so essentially, page 60, you want is, is, is uh, the point of no return. Yeah. That's that's what we call this. Yeah, you call it the point of no return, and one of two things has to happen: either one of your main characters has to die by that point, which is going to, uh, uh, which is going to make your main, which is going to make your main protagonist realize that. Now, this that's is based on a 120 page script. Essentially. On a 90 yeah. page script, well, you can no. go down to 50. Well, not between well, 50 and 50. No, well, in yes and no. It's, well, 60 minutes is it. It has to happen by 60 minutes. Even if you, you can, have a three hour film, it has to happen yeah. by 60 minutes. And then when you hit 120 minutes, it has to happen again. Yeah. You have to do it again every mm-hmm. 60 minutes. If you go beyond 60 minutes, um, like the first Avengers film. Everybody will say, all the, all the reviews said the same thing about the first Avengers film. The beginning of the movie is really slow and it takes a lot of build up and then the second half gets great. And that's yeah. because they had so many characters to introduce. Yeah. They yeah. actually didn't hit that point till about an hour 10, an hour 15. Yeah. And it, because it took them that extra 10 or 15 minutes, the audience felt restless. yeah the audience felt like it took too long to get somewhere. Yeah. Now it was important. It was very important to the story. To yeah. tell all of that, and they cut about a, they cut about twenty twenty five minutes yeah. out of that first hour to get it down to an hour fifteen. I know before that turning point happened, yeah. but that's just proof your audience will feel a little bored. Now it's not going to ruin your film, but it's going to make them feel like okay, when are we going to get somewhere with this? Yeah. So by by sixty minutes, you need to have that point of no return and where, where we said either um, either a main character that you've cared about and followed is going to die yeah. or if you're not going to do that you have to have the biggest action sequence of the entire film Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that's what's got to happen by sixty pages. And let's say you give your script to a producer; he's going to turn to page sixty and say, "What's happening here?" Yeah. Well, that's you know, one, that's once they read the script. You know, there's yes. so many. Yes, for a real many, producer. There's many steps that you have. Of to go course, there is. Well, that's. Script, I'm, I'm just. This but, is just yeah. one of those things. This he's at the point industry, where he's reading. industry standards that they yeah, know. One of those to look industry for. standards. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, and like I said, the first page is going to look for all dialogue. He wants seventy five percent dialogue in that opening yeah. page, and at the end of that first page, something that that last line has to be enough to make him want to turn the page. If that, exactly. if he's not going to want to turn that page, that's it. If he can't, if he's not interested by the end of your first page, throwing 
and that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not moving forward. Yeah. And they do it again at 10 pages and 15 pages. Yeah, there's a 60. certain beat that you have yeah. to do with it. That, um, you know, it, it happens with it. No, I, I think it's at... I think it's at the 75 pace, 70, 75 is where you said is where we have to up the stakes yep. for your, um, for your yep. uh, main protagonist, where something has to happen where now things just got a whole lot worse, mm-hmm. you know, and that's another, could be another, another death or suddenly the mortality of the situation is presented yeah, to him. It's usually represented by death of a character. Yes. In terms of, in horror, it's definitely, but mm-hmm. it's actually, it's funny when you do like a slasher film, these rules kind of go a little bit out yeah. the window, but you still, in a way, yes, but no, because that, it's always around that point in mm-hmm. a slasher film where the character that you resonate with the most yeah. Yeah. gets killed. Yes. You know, so it's like, that's, yes. you know, a lot of it's just filler, but there's usually that one character who stands out that when it gets to that point, mm-hmm. you know, and you think it's going to be about it, about that, that's where it's going to, you know, that's where they're going to get killed. Yeah. I think one of the better examples is the first Friday the 13th when, um, I think it was Brenda, mm-hmm. when she was out in the archery field, you kind of yeah. thought, you know, she's like alone. It's like, you know, everybody else is getting killed, but even though they were centered on Alice, you kind of thought maybe there, you didn't know who was going to be the final one in it. Like you didn't know yeah. who was going to be next. So they, even though they focused on Alice a little bit, they did also focus on her mm. a little bit. So when she get, when she gets killed, remember that that's off screen. Yeah. So, when but that, it that still matters. Occurs, it's, it matters because that was somebody, because what does she do? She hears somebody crying out and she goes to help them Yeah. Mm. in that moment. And it's funny. Cause I always think back to that. You know when it when it happens. You know, of course, Nightmare and Nightmare on Elm Street. Johnny mm-hmm. Depp's gets killed right yep. at that point. Yeah. Yep. So yep. you know it can work in, in everything. You know, for that Millennium genre, Falcon but, lands on the Death Star at mm-hmm. sixty minutes into yeah. Star Wars is when the Millennium Falcon lands down. Point of mm-hmm. no return. That's it. We're we've we, we're, here, we're here. We made it. <laughs> we're here now. You know, there is no changing um, our minds at this you know, moment. The Godfather, you can't just take it's a little bit different with the Godfather mm-hmm. because they had the whole wedding scene at the beginning, but really at that moment. Real, at that moment in it is when Michael shoots the police yep. captain yep. and the other mob boss. That's mm-hmm. that moment yep. when that happens. Speed, so. speed, an hour in is the bus Going, jumping, yeah. jumping, jumping yeah. the bridge. Now, something funny about speed, they wrote the action sequences first yeah. for that film hmm. before they wrote the script. And then they wrote the story yeah. around them. They wrote I've, it around. I've, done, I've done it where I've yeah. written scenes out of things. Yeah. Like, like They had certain things they yeah. wanted to shoot. Like, okay, we're going we're gonna to have, we, we have, so we have this bus, jump this. Yeah. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. And then they gave it to the screenwriter and said, here, these, this is what's got to happen at 45 minutes. This has to happen at 60. Yeah. This happens at 120. This happens. But, the, but I, and, I have to add a disclaimer here. I just feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about experienced screenwriters. Yes. Here. You know, yeah. um, we, we did something similar with Blood Slaughter, and I think it, it, was, it caused a lot more problems than it helped. Um, with Blood Slaughter, we actually created a series of fake trailers first. Mm. So we had, okay. a, we had the entire story laid out um, in these trailers, and we knew we were, we wanted the story to go. And it really helped on the production end where we kind of were shooting the same shots that we shot the first time. Yeah, because we knew what worked. Extending them, yeah. Um, but from a writing level, we try. We wrote a script and tried to write it, wrap it around those two trailers. Well, you know, and well, I think the mirror problem with work, Blood Slaughter was we took three stories yes. and combined it into one. Yes, okay. you know, the first trailer is only like a minute and a half. 
you know, and that we use that as the precursor, the first, the opening scenes of the movie. Yeah. We we, can, we we turn that into the first ten minutes of the film. Yeah. Then, Sounds like you two really like Grindhouse. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Absolutely, yeah. just loved, a little. You know? And then I didn't want that to carry Darling's music at my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. And then we took the second. We took the trailer for Blood Slaughter Two, which is the detective chasing the killer, and yeah. turned that into the first hour of the film, hour okay. fifteen of the film. And yeah. then we took the third trailer, which is supposed to be a slumber party massacre, and we made that the end of the film. And yeah. that's where our problem was. We should have the first movie, the first trailer was just nothing. It was just this killer, yeah. you know. So we should have kept one and two, those two trailers, as one film, and then made yeah. an entirely separate film for part three. And that's where we went I'm, wrong. I'm gonna we tell just you. put too much into yeah. one film. I'm right. We overthought f- it. A funny yeah. story about when you go a little too far <laughs> on scripts, yeah. okay. because uh, somebody I know he he was working on a film. Uh, it never got made, but they were doing a trailer for it. Mm. And I won't name the title. I won't name anything with it. But I'm reading a script because I, I got the full script and I'm reading it. And they were going to do like the best scenes from it, put the trailer up, do mm. a new go-go on it and everything like that. And it was uh, it was pretty much um, a violent, misogynistic. Like know, most are. Yeah, like most are, you know, <laughs> yeah. which I'm okay. But the amount of detail of you are. that went into... Like in terms of each kill and each mm-hmm. thing, it was like setting up where it's like, oh, the victim is tied this way. And, yeah. You yeah. Know, and it was like, you know, it's like, you know, they're using like, they, they're going to like what fabric they're using or what, you oh, know, like what they're wearing. And it's I'm like going Stephen like, King like through the whole play. detail and everything. In the script? This is in the script. Wow. And wow. simplify I, you know, your script. It, and I, and I told the director, and he's like, what do you think? I said, first off, I can't believe you're doing this. And second, you know, the script was 120 pages and I'm like, this script is going to end up being 39 minutes yeah. long. Yeah. You could have turned the, the script into 45 minutes. It's ridiculous. 45 and pages. then the irony is that when they were done, the film was 54 minutes. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Simplify How your script. How in the world does that happen? Yeah. And I, and I, well, because I pretty much called it. It's so detailed. It. It's yeah. so detailed. Exactly. It you so end much. up spending an entire half a page yeah. describing what the character is wearing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is something no, I, that you do in yeah. production and you make those decisions your actor remember what has to be in your script is simply yeah. what the actor needs to do the scene the actor doesn't care what he's wearing or you know the actor doesn't need what his yeah. outfit is once he puts the outfit on he's going to feel it and that's going to create the character well, mm-hmm. when yeah. you're writing your script simplify it as little details as possible leave a lot open to interpretation and focus on telling the story not yeah. telling the room well this, yeah the script I just finished I, there's, a, there's a couple of scenes that take place in the 1950s mm-hmm. and I put down the person's wearing 1950s clothes that's all I put and, yeah. I, and, and, even and somebody that, looked at me they're like well how come you're not detailed I said that's you know that's for the costume designer yeah. when you hired a costume designer yeah, the actor doesn't the, need to know that the actor doesn't need to know that they know that they're dressed for the era yeah. and that's it you that's know? it that's what they're doing and they for most know it's 1950s clothes so that they know what What's they're going to bring to that character yeah. exactly yeah. like are we doing this as a, like say it's a crime drama there's a big difference between a Cary Grant crime yeah. drama and an Anthony Hopkins oh, crime yeah. drama yeah. Well, these are two entirely things, different styles yeah, of this film this is one of those things where it actually takes place there's a filming of a movie serial mm-hmm. which I did a lot of research on and I actually talked to a few people like sons of serials doing this yeah. and got my research on it. And that's one thing. If you're doing anything fact-based, you got to do your research on it. You know, if you're doing something original or you want to say original, you don't need to check your resources as much. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is a lesson I actually learned in person from David Mamet. Mm-hmm. when I interviewed him about a movie he did called Red Belt and I said, you know, what was the purpose of this one thing that you did? He's like, oh, I made it up. Yeah. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. 
He's like, it's bullshit. Yeah. You know, but he made it sound so authentic that you believed it. Right. And he's like, there's something wrong mm-hmm. with making shit up. You know, it's like. You know. I just listened to an interview with Chris Nolan. They were talking about um, Interstellar. Yeah. And uh, a, a lot of people got on them about the science of Interstellar. Okay. Yeah. What, what he did was he actually had a science advisor on it. Okay. And. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so when they went through all of the, the, the quantum mechanics and the quantum physics in the film, they yeah. were trying to get very, very realistic. He wanted to follow it as much as possible. But then the, but the science, they get to certain points and Nolan says, well, there's certain points where, okay, reality is insane. Yeah. Reality, what he said, he even said it. He's like, what, what quantum science will actually uh, theorize can happen is yeah. so much crazier than what you can imagine, okay? Yeah. But because of that, you have to take some liberties because if you're going to go into what can really happen, you're going to end up with a seven-hour movie to yeah. explain all of that. He's like, so you have yeah. to take some liberties. You have to change a few things. So what they did was when they went through it, the uh, advisor would sit and tell him, okay, well, based on this, quantum science says this is possible, this is possible, that's possible. And he just went for the one that could be told yeah. The most coherently. So while the science is, science is science. It's a science, you know? Yeah. But quantum science is really not. It's all theory, yeah. okay? It is. And, so and, so yeah. people were looking at the film in that way of like, well, is this even possible? Quantum science says it is. It's not likely, but it's totally possible. And he yeah. went in that direction with I, him. Like, all right, let's just I, go I with what's, yeah. what's possible, not what's probable. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of did something similar because I kind of went through that in the script I'm doing. This is the same one with the serial and there's mm-hmm. like this whole quantum thing and dream yeah. states and everything like that. So I love I did, that stuff. I did Absolutely all my interpretation on it, but I'm like, at the end of the day, I just went, it's just better if I make it up in, yeah. in a way. It's like, you know, get everything there. And when I first wrote it, I had this whole convoluted sequence where the, the main characters are getting their brain analyzed and everything like yeah. that. And I'm like, this is just taking way too long and everybody's going to yeah. get bored. So one of the subplots is that there's a student character who everybody thinks is a bit of a dimwit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's doing like, he's like the jack of all trades guy. He's like, you know, everybody doesn't respect him and they don't think he's like bright enough. He's yeah. just, he's like doing, he's, you know, they think he's doing this for extra credit. And when it comes to the point where they're trying to talk about this whole thing, all of a sudden he just blurts out this whole thing. It's like a whole page of dialogue about yeah. the whole theory and everything like that. And at the end he follows it up and talks to his professor. He says, he said, so how's that for exposition for you? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just solved 20 pages in yeah. this one bit of dialogue yeah. where now it's like, and then I'm realizing, you know what? You don't have to get detailed on every single no. one because instead of people thinking about the science of it, they're just wondering how in the hell does this, this person who we know, you know, yeah. how is he able to do this? And at the end, they're like, how do you know this? He's like, oh, I read Doctor Strange. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, that's that's all you need. It's yeah. like, you don't need to go, you know, knowing he doesn't can have do to be, it, He doesn't have to be a scholar to do it. He read yeah, a comic you book. you don't. And, and it's funny because I've seen people who go into that detail of research where it can help but at the end of the day, we're just creating. Yeah. You know, see, that's, that's one of the problems I'm coming across now with my script that I'm working on is that there's a very supernatural uh, twist yeah. to it. And I'm, and I'm struggling because I'm, I'm not like a supernatural kind of person. I'm too grounded. Yeah. So I'm trying to put more and more like logic and thought and science into things. We have an audience member who <laughs> yeah. disagrees with the supernatural. She's yeah. like, shut up already about <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> No, but but um, but so like that's one of the big things I'm struggling with. But I think what I'm getting from this conversation is that you know as long as the story is is following certain beats, yeah, like 
it doesn't have to be exactly perfect. As long as you're hitting a good story and you're hitting your marks, then if the supernatural kind of works around that, as long as you're getting a little bit of the supernatural, but you're getting the story that you need, it'll be more accepted. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, you, have, you always run the risk of, of confusing the audience if you get yeah. too detailed as well. You, you, know, you do. Could, you could you bore really them. do. You yeah. could totally bore them with science because a lot of people like, like you said, you're not, you're not, I, not, not you didn't say this, but I, I know you, you're not big on science. Mm-mm. You're not a science yeah. person. So no. sitting there having somebody like, I love altered states. Yeah. She likes it. I like it. But that scene where William Hurt is in, where they're all sitting in the, in the restaurant, in the bar, and he's explaining uh, uh, how they're going to find the self and it's all, yeah. in, you know, and he goes through all that, like, she has no interest in that. Nah. Yeah. Me, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. I love yeah. it because, I mean, because it's real. Yeah. It's the real science that these doctors in the 70s were trying to explain. Yeah, you know, I mean, and all that yeah. goes. It's it's it goes back to the hypocampus and the hypothalamus and all the different parts mm-hmm. of the brain and where the self exists. Well, it's one and of the things, the yeah. God particle and all that shit. I, it doesn't I write, interest her. I write all over the place. It basically comes to what I can think of. Mm-hmm. But if I really get sit down and think about the stories that I want to tell, a lot of it involves around the human psyche and, and uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. A lot of true. It, it's weird. It, in some cases, it's more like true crime in a way. Like mm-hmm. I always wonder what makes people take the way they do, not just in in murder, but why do people like this? Why do they have like fetishes for this? Why do they have desires for See, this? That, you know? I, I, I like that kind of stuff. I'm a people. Yeah, person. and I and I, yeah. and I always yeah. explore that. You know, it's it's like you know I wrote a thing where a character, when it were one of the side things as a character likes to recreate movie scenes with photos, mm-hmm. like old movie scenes, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's you know, and it's like you know I could have taken it to a much more perverted direction if I wanted yeah. to, but it's like this is what this guy likes, and it fit in with the story that what I'm doing. Yeah. But you know, it's like. I wonder what makes people tick. When I did Insatiable, it was like, okay, why is this guy doing what he's doing? And this was a guy who longed to be a vampire and everything like that. And in the end of the film, his next victim turns out to be a real vampire who turns the tables, <laughs> you know? But it's like, you know, it's like you got to get into like what makes people tick like that? Why yeah. people are like that? And, mm-hmm. you know, when a lot of it comes with my job in television, I worked with a lot of serial crew crime, true crime shows where I saw a lot of the personality and the psyches of them. I just geeked out a little. You know, so it's like, so I've learned a lot from there and, yeah. and that's where I try to bring it in and you know because you try to give it more of a realistic point of view see for that I think you kind of need a little bit more of a realistic view with mm-hmm. it you know it's why I love Behind the Mask because it did that for two yeah. acts and then it just and then it just turned it on its head and became and, be, and it became a genre film yeah. right in and its that's, last 30 minutes and, that, and that's her kind of thing that, yeah. that, that pure reality like to her reality is the scariest thing yeah. it is you know? to me that's more scary and yeah. I love but I love Supernatural because I do believe it's like I love those two things it's like I you know and I try to incorporate that as much as I can. My script open wounds mixes both. Yeah. Mm. That's what I'm trying to do right now. You know, and, it's, and, it's, and that's not an, easy, and it's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, and, and I'll say it, my script starts with a school shooting. Wow. And a lot of people are like, wow, I don't know if I want to touch this. And it goes from that to a completely supernatural reason. But it, it's weird because like you said, you got to be psychic and you and it's and it's like without realizing it, you kind of become topical without becoming topical. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's like I one of the stories I'm writing is about a guy who who, who kind of starts going on a downward spiral from losing his job and deal. It's like it's a little bit sci- a little bit more of a science fiction realm. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of basing it on things that I've been experiencing with my work and my mm-hmm. job and think, taking it into like a video game world. You're writing you know? what you know. You're yeah. writing. You're writing. But what's what's happening? What's interesting is like I'm writing it. And I'm basing it off myself, and yeah. I'm like, "This is Taxi Driver in a video game." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm looking around, and I'm like, "You know what would make this more interesting if I made the main character African American?" Mm-hmm. 
And that's all I did. And that's all I changed with it. And I'm like, and I was talking to somebody about that. And it's like, you know, I mean, I grew up in Amityville, which is mainly minority town. So, you know, I don't, but it challenged me because I don't know that. I don't know that that much, so yeah. it's challenging me. I'm like, this is where the challenge is coming from. That's, like, I need that's to what I'm doing that. too. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, like, I'm writing like the opposite of myself. Yeah, and, like and, I'm, I'm writing about you know, I'm writing a story about a woman who 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 was dying to have a baby, and I'm like, that is so the opposite of me. Like I don't even yeah. like to, to even like wrap myself around. No, I, I, I can give you people <laughs> to talk to about that. I know some people. It's like that's a, that's I might I might I might pull you up on that because it's yeah. like you know I mean I know people and I know lots of people. Who, See, this all goes back to the bagel and the hand job. I'm telling you. <laughs> Goes back, you know. Yeah, hand job in a cup. Um, no, but, but my most recent stories are like that. Though are very like, it can be male, it can be female, and I just writing the story for the character, and then I'm yeah. not making it very specific. Yeah, in the script, like one of my scripts, I have a I have a girl talking to her boyfriend on the phone. You yeah. know, but it could be a girl talking to her girlfriend, or a guy talking to his to his husband, or it yeah. could be a boy talking to his girl. It could be it could go in. It's not specific in that. You know, so uh, uh, that that's my way right now of as I'm writing this. Okay, I want to just focus on getting a good story, yeah. and then when we go into casting. I want to look at it like anybody can play this character. You're, you're, it you're writing it to any, your strengths or your well, strengths. Well, there was somebody exactly, yeah. exactly. going and back then, to the and artistic. And letting the actor yeah. create it. Going back to the artistic thing with short films, I, I, I used to work with somebody who used to like give me an email. He's like, he would send me like three photos and he'd be like, can you make a story out of this? And then an hour later, I'd give him like a three-page script and he would yeah. be like, how in the hell can you do this? I said, this is a strength of mine. Yeah. You know, I said, you have a strength somewhere else. You know, unfortunately, it turned out to be annoying people. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I said, you know, you have your strength and this is that. But it's like... But those are really excellent writing exercises. Yeah. When yeah. we were doing, like when we were doing In Fear Of, um, um, when we were premier- premiering it somewhere, somebody came up to me and he's like, you know, I telling me this goes back to the resources thing of what you have and he's like well you know i i, I know somebody who owns a b-52 yeah. fighter plane what can we do with that and <laughs> we're we're at lunch and everybody's like talking up and up and i have i always carry a notepad with like a notebook yeah. oh, yeah, with me here. like a spiral notebook and a pen mm-hmm. if you everybody who sees me at conventions they wonder what's in my book bag. do that everybody keep I, a notepad yes. with do, you at i all always times. have one with me and i i always spend like an hour or two writing something down you know i'm not stealing it from anybody but, no, but the atmosphere always it's, it's an experience you it's, it's something yeah. that you could t- if you don't write it down like, this is really good if you don't write yeah. it down i guarantee by tomorrow yeah. you're going to forget it yeah, you're so, going to forget like well what what exactly were we talking about i don't no. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, but I, we were having this conversation and this, and this one friend of mine, he's like, well, I have a B-52 bomber. And I just started writing and people were like, Oh, you know, you're not really talking to us. What's going on? And at the end of the di- at the end of the dinner, I had a whole concept for an episode, <laughs> like right there. And you I know. told him, I said, B-52 by fighter. Okay. Veteran during the war got stuck in a plane, plane crash, got stuck in there full of dead bodies has not flown since his son is goes to an air show to try to convince him and books him a flight to get on it and it all happens again and that was just from somebody saying very twilight zone very oh of course yeah you know but it's like yeah you know it's like that i got from just somebody saying i have a plane yeah you know and it's like i've been trying to pitch in fear for television and we have all these episode ideas and that's one of them and that's one of them in there and it's like you know i've written the script for it already Mm -hmm. you know just you know, for it, and yeah. like, you know, but you know, for that, it's like, 
you have to have the beats. Of course. Know, and for television, it's a little bit yeah. different. I, I'm more of a feature writer, not a television writer. But, you know, that's a whole different story whatsoever. These books up with film, not television. Because you, you still have to keep the structure in television. But you have to format it precisely because you're dealing with advertising yeah. on that medium. Even when you're dealing with Netflix, even though Netflix is oh, like, yeah. you still have to do well, the Netflix, Yeah, Netflix now, because of Netflix and Amazon and, and, the, and, the, and the, the fact of not having commercial breaks anymore. Yeah. The stories, the 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 but these they still shows, follow them. they follow they them. Still they follow them. They still follow them somewhat. Have that whole climax at the oh, scene of course, they yeah, go they, to black and they go to the next. But not as not as strictly anymore. It's not no, like it's still be, because there are no commercial breaks yeah. anymore, so you don't have to have that cliffhanger every seven and a half to nine and a half minutes. They still do it though. They do it. They still they do, do it though. because it keeps it interesting. Well, I mean, it's you know? also not because keeps, of the commercial standpoint, it, because it of the keeps story. Yes, it keeps the story contained to an hour. Yeah, it's an easy way of doing that. What were we saying? The, the, the what you said earlier. I said we we never got to that. The uh, the Trey Parker and Matt oh, Stone. Yeah, yeah. What was it that they said? Um, what is their actual so process? I remember they're going Rob Schneider dip it in <laughs> and dip yeah. it um, What they're what they're talking about? It, it's a simple rule for rewriting and improving the story. Yeah, they call it the rules of replacing ends with either buts or therefores. There you go. Okay. Um, he says a lot of writers fall into the trap of describing actions and events in a typical this happened and then this happened and then this happened yeah. and then that happened. If it's then, 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 yeah. then it's okay. Well, when do we get somewhere? Because this happens and then that happens. And yeah, then that happens. it's not no. engaging. It's just kind of creating yeah. a list of things that happened. So he says his approach to writing or even speaking is uh, to generate momentum. You do that by saying by going back and saying this happened. Therefore, this happened. But then this happened. Yeah. It's much more engaging that way. Um, so yeah, by every action, been, by every action, creating yeah. a reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single scene has to lead into the next one, not in a form of just, well, he's going to go here and then he's going to go there and then he's going to go there. You yeah. know, like I, I mean, we know we know filmmakers who do that, where their scenes are there's two characters, two characters walk onto a frame, they talk about something, then they walk out of frame. Next yeah. scene, they're walking into frame again. It's like, okay, well, where are we going? Yeah. Why didn't you just condense those four scenes in a row of them walking on and then walking off? Condense it into one into yeah. one scene. Cut that down. Make one scene out of it and then go somewhere else with it. Go to yeah. another character. Go to an entirely different location where maybe they're already there. Something's they're in the middle of something. Make it yeah. make it reaction. I always start I always when I do that in every script I do, I always start in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do that I just all the time. Feel like you just have to. Yeah. You know, it's just Because like, you know what? I think when you have two characters, they're real people. Well, here's, here's not, what it is. Every character is not going to start a conversation yeah, but, with, hi, hi, Scott, how are you? It's nice seeing most you today. Of the, but most of it is you start the middle of a conversation because you've already set up what the conversation is going to be about in the yeah. previous scene. Yeah. Right. And so many people do that where it's like, you. and I've been guilty of this myself. Mm-hmm. You explain the situation, you see the situation happen. And, you know, I kind of call it the clue the clue Tim Curry method where (laughs) it's just like, you know where I'm going (laughs) with this, where it's just like, you're just reenacting everything you did. Now everybody's not Tim Curry and he does that great. But that's what made it funny. The fact that we just watched this for an hour and a half and and now we're going to do it for us to do it. We're going to go through the whole thing. But that was brilliant. Yes. Yes. That's what made it comedy. You know, but you can't do that all the time. And it's better if you do it. It's just like, you know, it's like in one thing, I have a character who comes up with this idea to settle the conflict 
and the next star, it's not going to be like, hi, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, Listen, I have something. No, people don't do fuck that. that. You just go with the person's reaction going, that is the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard. Hmm. Now you're on to something. Yeah. Now you're like, okay, now we can go with this. You Especially know? We gotta, like crazy, crazy artist types where it's like, yeah. you know, we'll pick up a conversation we were having three weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> we got to start wrapping this up. So right. let's get into real, real quick. Uh, re, let's recap what, we, what we've gone through. Okay. Um, Filmmaking sucks. Yes. <laughs> but we love it anyway. <laughs> um, so when you're writing your script, keep in mind of the beats. Yes. Number one, keep in mm-hmm. mind of your beats. Make sure that every scene is a reaction to the one before it. Yeah. Okay. If you feel that you have to start the scene off with your characters introducing what's happening, then you're not telling your yeah. story properly. Now, keep in mind when you're writing that you're going to have visual cues in the scene. Don't yeah. have your characters talk about what they're looking at. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't, you see what we're showing the audience. Yeah. Get into them talking step, about what's happening. Yeah. There's not a few what steps they're seeing. You even get to that because even before uh-huh. you write the script, you still have to keep the beats in. Yeah, you know, there's a certain way that I go about it. You know, um, you can go right in and write a script. That's great. All right, I have a couple of things that I do first. Okay, you know, the first thing I do is a log line. Then I start building the character. Well, what's a log line right off the log bat? line is just basically a one sentence, one or two sentences explaining the story in a nutshell. Okay, you know, this is the if but gives therefore. you your it gives you your protagonist. Gives you your it protagonist. Gives you it gives you the whole the setting pro- of it. The, the essentially, because well, I I just started started studying log lines like how to yeah, how to make a good it's one. Very important. It's very important to, sell, to get your entire film told down into one sentence. It's you're naming yeah. your protagonist. You're naming their uh, their conflict. Uh, sometimes you name the antagonist in it and mm-hmm. the goal of the conflict. Yeah. Okay. What What is their end goal with it? I think with Data States, I wrote uh, a a, a long term insomniac sees uh, goes to see a uh, fuck. I can't even remember what I wrote. Uh, as I wrote this like a year ago at this point. A long term guy's fucked up tries to fix it gets more fucked up. Something there like you that. Go. You know, a long term <laughs> insomniac goes to see a an enigmatic doctor about his yeah. about his affliction and realizes that something has returned from his dreams. Boom. Guys That's, fucked up, tries to get tries to get fixed, end up more fucked up. That's exactly. basically every logline that you'll ever read, yes. pretty, pretty yes. much. I mean, uh, in your that's log the hero's line, journey in a nutshell. Ex- exactly, yeah. you know? exactly. But you know, so in your logline, you don't have to name your yeah. character. Just this is your character. What is yeah. your character? What I do is think, it? even though the actor does build it, I do think it is important to come up with some kind of background for the character. Like, of course, quirks. What are there? You know, you have to have certain things with that. This is something I learned. Well, that's a, that's a matter of director yeah. and actor because some actors want to create it themselves. It and is. Other actors want it to be told. A basis in the script because they need yeah. that arc too because the build up of the characters is going to help with their own personal well, that's, arc. Well, well, even so, uh, that, no, that's production. Think, that's production. Think, We're talking writing here. Writing it does. It the, helps it tremendously in writing dialogue. Yes. that's what I, I actually do. That I make a list. I do like a character list, huh? and what I do is I take all the main characters that I have. You know, first I write a, a log line, then I write a scriptment where I have the characters' names, but I put. You know, I have the characters' names of what I want, okay? I know what my beginning and I know my end. Mm-hmm. You have to have those. So I have those, okay? Mm-hmm. Then, I before found that I, if I don't have an s- ending, I can't finish my, I can't move forward. Sometimes I, I have Sometimes to know I'll where start it's the beginning going before and then I'll, I, I'll I go write. with it. But that usually comes when I write what, what I write. You know, they say it's a treatment. I call it a scriptment. And what I do well, those are, it, yeah, those are two, two different things. A scriptment is you're writing the script, you're putting the scene heading, you're putting in everything. But instead of dialogue, you're describing what's happening from pace to as pace. Though, and as that's though where you, you were going to improv in. the scene. Yes. Yes. All right. You're writing the scene out as though you're going to let your actors. And that's just at that point, up. that's where I have a list the of Joe characters. Joe Swanberg method. I put their name, their age, their. 
usually their occupation and their background and what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And I put that all in like one or two pages and it's usually like the main seven or eight characters depending on what the script is. Mm -hmm. Then from there, I write the scriptment. Then I get the scriptment down. And then usually I write the first draft freehand. Okay. In a notebook. Usually when people start Our reading it. Our brains work so alike. It's so funny. When, when people. <laughs> I can't do drafts. I, 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 but I, it's weird. I very rarely no, no, finish fine. it. Because once yeah. I get to the third act, when I'm writing a freehand, I start writing the script. Well, yeah. And that's yeah. fine. I'm, I'm get, just. I'm like, I know where I'm I need to go I'm just trying to. I'm that, just that's trying to. sort of my processes. Yeah. Then. I'm just trying to let the audience realize that there is no right or wrong way. No. Yeah. To write. When I you show know, people. You don't have to do it this way or this way. No. You write it that this way. This is the way I do it. I, you don't have to do it I my have way, a couple but of this notes. is what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. I write a couple of notes. I'll have maybe a page of notes handwritten as I'm just, a, you know, and then I'll get into the script. But I can't write. I really can't get anywhere in the script until I know where it's going to end. As I have you know, to have yeah. my ending. But that's, again, that's yeah. me uh, For personally. the most part, I do, but there's some cases where I don't yeah. because I'll have an ending and then I'm writing it and two-thirds in, I change it because of the way things are going. Which is fine. Yeah. Which, is which, fine. Is, which is fine. But you know, when, it, when I start writing my draft, when I tell people, okay, it's my first draft, it's really my fifth, yeah. when yeah. they start seeing it, and I just don't tell them that. So. I, no, I'm, I'm very similar, and it's funny. I was, I was, you know, as I was writing this one out, I've, I've written it, like I said, for three or four years. I've written different... You know, scriptments yeah. for it and, you know, adjusting yeah. and kind of evolving it from there. And then I had, I introduced a character that I wasn't expecting to introduce. Yeah. And I introduced her mother, the character's mother. Mm-hmm. And I kind of stopped changed myself. the whole dynamic. Yeah, I changed the whole dynamic and I stopped myself and, and I said, okay, well, I'm about to write dialogue between two women. And, yeah. you know, that's a very complicated relationship, a mother and a daughter. Mm-hmm. And I went back and I actually jotted down about a page worth of notes about my main character where she came from, gave her a backstory. And through that, I kind of created a reason why she was that way. Yeah. And it all stemmed back from her mother. So by creating that kind of history and, 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 and how their relationship was developed as when she was a child, I then had a voice to write their dialogue in. Yeah. Where, you know, two women share this unique experience and, and that's where the, their, how they interact with yeah. each other was coming from. Now, yeah. you don't actually have to have that in the script either where it came from. No. It doesn't have to be it just, there. It's how just they, something how they respond in, to each other. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have to, so don't think of it in the terms where, well, we have to explain this to the audience. No, you don't have to. No. If it's not important to the story immediately, mm-hmm. then it, no. All it's doing is creating your character's temperament. Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't need to explain to the audience why they have that temperament unless it's important to yeah. the story itself. Right. That's what creates the character is mm-hmm. understanding yeah. where they're coming from. Let the again, unless it's important to unless it's important, you need to let the audience breathe. Yes, yeah. exactly. You got to let and the audience. You got to let them breathe. Take and, and so many into this and, and a lot of mistakes. A lot of young writers, directors, and they do is they don't let the audience breathe. Yeah, my fear of the dark episode of Inferior, which is uh, for the first season. It's basically all it is is a woman in a in a house during a thunderstorm. The power's out and the candles are going out one by mm-hmm. one. And you know, at the end of the film, you find out somebody's in the room with her, and that's all I show. There's somebody in the room with her, yeah. with one last candle, and she screams. The last candle blows out. Okay. I've had people tell me like, "Is that a ghost or is that an intruder?" And I go, "What do you think?" Yeah, yeah. And they're Leave like, it. "Well," and but they're like, "Well, tell me what is no. it?" And I'm like, "No, 
That's for you to That's decide. That's for you to figure it out. You know? That's and, what we and, do with mistakes. I remember I had a conversation with somebody else on my own in fear of it's like, well, you know, you really should give a defendant answer. And I'm like, why? Yeah. It's their answer to it. Yeah. You know, and and I and a lot of people get so selfish with their work, and 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 again, this is something that took me a very long time to deal with. It's like, you know, you need to relate to an audience, and you have to think while you're writing it for yourself. The main reason why you're writing for something is you got to know what an audience is going to think because you want that audience to yep. react. Yeah. You know, film critics, you know, for screenwriting for film and everything. That's why Roger Ebert was always my favorite because he always critiqued films on his personal opinion, but then he'd always be like, "Well, what would an audience be?" He would always look at himself outside of his realm mm-hmm. as an audience member and think of the general audience member and that's and he'd be like okay I could see why they did this and did that and then he goes and nitpicks because you know he is a film snob after all right. he always was yeah. and you know and I'm saying that in a good way it's a good way he was a good example of yeah. it you know but it's like you know you just gotta you just gotta pick your, your yeah. spots in well there. it's interesting we were at a we were at a film festival um, last weekend Okay. And we're sitting there in the award ceremony. Um, this is on topic, I promise. Uh, is, is, this, uh, is this an award ceremony where all their friends got uh, all the filmmakers' that's friends? Every and them film that's every single film festival. That's every film okay. festival known that's, to man. That's a whole nother about. episode, boys. Okay. That's a whole nother episode. Well, I'm, I'm gearing up for the producing one. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's coming down. We're wrapping up. But it was, it was super cute. Um, I was actually sitting there with one of our actresses, and the actress turns to me, and, and she's like, ask you a question and I was like yeah go for it and she was like why is there a best screenwriting and a best movie award and I'm like oh honey those are two very different things you know and I'm like this the the screenplay is Mm -hmm. judged on the overall story Mm -hmm. and the film is judged on the execution of that story yeah I mean it's funny I say this you know it's funny because you know I hear that question and it's like I have for the films that I've won awards for, I have n- I haven't won a screenwriting award, but I've always won best like short film <laughs> as yeah. a producer, which is based on a story, which is something I've done. So it's kind of weird hearing yeah. that because it's like if you go by like awards and merits, I'm more known as a producer, even though I wrote it. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of funny hearing that. But yeah. they are they are two very different things, you know. But it just goes to show how you know how the audience doesn't like you know, people yeah. even in the industry don't even understand the difference. Yeah. yeah, no, there's a huge difference, and you know, which we can go into another topic. Like yeah. I always yeah. like I always tell people what my favorite film is and what my favorite movie is because they are two different things what are they you know what is your favorite film uh my favorite film is goodfellas your favorite movie star wars okay okay fun fact you know the uh goodfellas shine box scene was shot down the block ah yeah <laughs> yeah i still have right to down, i still have to frequent this yeah right down yeah. the block where we did our screening last week the, the, ah yeah you were telling is, me about it that. is the same bar we're getting personal uh, now. me personally Ooh. my favorite film is the shining Okay. My favorite movie is Creepshow. Good choices. You know? Because yeah. I, 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 and I see that difference there. Film is something that's done. It's very, it's, it's artistic. It's, it's, it's meaningful. It's deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A movie is entertainment. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. remember that too when you're writing your screenplays, when you're writing your stories, are you making a film or are you making a movie? Yeah. What do you want to do? Do you want to, do you want to just do something that's fun? Blood Slaughter was a movie. Mm-hmm. That was a movie. We did that because it was fun. Mm-hmm. We got to kill a bunch well, of people. What is State of States to you? A, it's a, to me, it's a film. Okay. To me, it's a film. I, would, I, mean, I would agree I wrote with that. it. I, I agree wrote with it with the idea of treating it like a movie, yeah. but the story itself was personal to me and it was something mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do because I love that. Yeah. I love the dreamscapes. I love the nightmares. I love all of that sort. That yeah. that's it's very personal to me. So it was a film, but I treated it like a movie, yeah. because I said to myself, "Well, we just made a really friggin' long movie. Yeah, let's tell that we let's prove that we can tell a story in 
in a decent amount, in a 90 minute block and get straight to it. And then my idea was it was to tell a straightforward story and then I can get as weird as I want with the visuals because then at least the audience is not confused with a, with a complicated story and complicated visuals. Then you're making the audience work too hard and they can't Uh enjoy it. Some people love it. I love that. Like Jacob's ladder is a, is a complex story and complex visuals. Yeah. You know, and while people can love it as a film, a lot of people just like, yeah, it wasn't great. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't exactly. nuts about yeah. it. It's too I mean, much for some people. Yeah. But that's yeah. why Event know, Horizon we're, we're was the same in New way. York. We have, I, I like to call film houses and movie houses. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, when we wrap up and everything, I'm going to the Alamo Draft House, which is a film. Yes. That's for film lovers. Yeah. You know, but you're going to see a movie tonight. tonight. I am going to see a movie, a movie. tonight. <laughs> but we won't, you know, we won't go into it. It's, but, uh, you know, it's like, that's probably going to yes. be like a regular dig for me because they play a lot of great, great films. They do. That, you know, you want to, you want to see and you want to well, cherish. Definitely on our so. list. They have one here in Brooklyn, and I keep I keep following keep them and keep wanting set. to go out there. Yeah, well, you should. I mean, it's yeah. you know, and and you know, um, just to get on a note, one other book, if you really want to sell uh, a book, it's a more modern one mm-hmm. that I read, and it actually helped me with pitching and understanding the business in terms of uh, and everything. It's from uh, uh, it's from Robert Ben Garant and Thomas Lennon. Uh-huh. And Thomas Lennon used to be on the state. I, I love actually, state. I, I, I love, love I love this guy a lot. I, I always liked him as a state. He was my uh-huh. favorite on there. Um, Thomas Lennon, he wrote, Michael Lee, he's Black, a great actor, but he's a them. more successful screenwriter than yes. anything because he wrote yes. the Night of the Museum movies. So mm-hmm. these are guys who their scripts have made billions of dollars of profit. Yep. And they have a book that came out a few years ago called Writing Movies for Fun and Profit. Yeah. All right. And I would wholly recommend that because they say, they talk about it in a very interesting way on how they were able, you know, they, they talk about the art of film, but what that f- book is important is they teach you the art of the pitch. Okay. All right. So I would, I would definitely recommend getting that one. Cool. Um, Sid Field's screenplay, of course, Robert McKee's story, mm-hmm. a writer's journey, of course. Um, writer's one journey, of the older save the ones. cat, the hero's journey. Save, save the cat is probably one I would start it's with specifically the most. for screenwriters. Yes. That's, that's specifically for screenwriters along with screenplay. Yeah. Yes. Sid Field's a, like it's, four it's a books with screenplay. It's a lot more fun. So it's entertaining. So it's an yes. easy kind of yeah. first thing to slide into. Well, the writing for fun and profit, I, I would tell too. you right now, buy that like now. <laughs> for you you would just you know because that really gets into the more of the business part of it right if you want to learn it but it's really mm-hmm. a great guide yeah. to it it's helped me out as a guide for the past few years in terms okay. of where and I for go anybody who's do. like me who doesn't read as much as I probably should read more I don't read much at all um, if you want to talk about how to make a movie storyboard 101 there you go yeah. uh, I was going to say also uh, watch look up go on YouTube uh, you can probably find some of them look up Dove Simons 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 Simons, Simons. 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 Um, yeah. look up his 48 hour film school yeah. and he will break down we'll, we'll probably get into yeah. this more his in book our production is great too, but he yeah. has like we'll probably get more structure. into this in the production episode but uh, he will yeah. explain to you the difference between films and movies yeah. and if you go to masterclass.com um, they do like different it's like the masters yeah. teaching you things they have a screenwriting course with Aaron Sorkin which I'm currently taking mm. you know it's only $90 and you get a full blown on sessions, you know, interviews. He talks about yeah, structure and, and these masters and classes are like four and, or five hours each. Yeah, and if you go through the whole thing, yes, it's like a five hour course. You can watch it all in one setting. But if you actually go through it and do the and do the assignments that they give you, mm-hmm. even though you know it's you an online thing, so you can talk to people right online, but. Even if you just do it yourself and not grade it on it, it's still a good lesson to learn on yeah. your own because he teaches a lot of yeah. great for stuff nine, for ninety dollars to be told how to write a, to be explained how to write a script by from one of the by Aaron Sorkin is 
It's priceless. Yes, it's and you can learn priceless. films by Fast and the Furious, which yeah. we're hearing outside. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, which I mean, even you know, me. look up, look up on YouTube, Joseph Campbell. Check out. There's a ton of different yep. people that cover yeah. it. There's a ton of different videos. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to start free, you don't want to drop down five hundred bucks or whatever. Then that's always yeah. a good place to start. I mean, learn, you can you can learn, and the best thing about screenwriting to me is it's free. Once yep. you you know you apply you yourself, write. you read. You know, if you have the passion for it read as much as you can on it because it's going to help you and you need to follow it and you need to base it. And once you get that, that concept there, you're going to be fine. And you know, like I said, nothing throws me more than creating something. And then jump into it. Just write something, right? Just Just write something, give it to somebody, writing it. And I'm going to give you a perfect segue because writing it is one thing, but producing it is a whole other ball. (laughs) Very nice. Good way. Good, good, good. So, uh, that's going to, I think we'll wrap this up now that now that we've been talking for Way quite some long. time. This is a nice long episode. <laughs> We're gonna a nice long episode. Uh, I hope everybody got a little something out of this. Uh, it wasn't as it wasn't as much about structure as we thought it was. This was very. We talked a lot more about 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 the writer's process, which mm-hmm. is extremely important. Even before you get to the point where you're going to outline and you're well, you going to need to know that first before yes. anything. You know, yeah, you need to understand that, that you are going to teach you structure, but exactly. you need to get that. You know, mindset. Yeah, you need you need to understand that everyone's every writer's process is their own. Yeah, you know, there is no one way to write us to write to get to writing your screenplay. You know, you just make sure that you have a story that you want to tell, something that matters to you. Especially when you're first starting out, you can go one of two ways: either write yourself a movie and just do something that's fun, in which case follow those rules, and mm-hmm. that'll get you through your screenplay, or write something that's very meaningful to you. Take your time. Yeah, you know, and then and then just. Just make the damn movie already. Just make yeah. it. That's all I could say. Just make your damn movie. Write it. it. Write it and make your friggin' movie. But do so. pre-production, please. Yeah. So, uh, Scott, where can people look you up? Where can they um, find you? Well, mainly right now, um, I'm still in the process of putting together my website, my own personal website. Uh, We're going to have to do this company. website episode. I'm telling uh, you. Uh, everybody's my production <laughs> company, Slick Devil Entertainment. Um, but Slick can, Devil? Slick Devil Entertainment, but I don't have it up right now. i got to get it back up. Back up and running. Uh, you can check out everything on InFearOf at InFearOfTheSeries.com. Uh, but you can mainly get me on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com, you know, backslash Scott W. Perry. Um, you know, um, that's basically it. Uh, you can also contact me on my email. I have a Vimeo page if you go look at Slick Devil Entertainment. I got my demo reel. I got some old films on there. Okay. Uh, you know, just look up, uh, you know, just type in Slick Devil Entertainment. You'll find that. And on YouTube, uh, Scott W. Perry. So cool. you can find me everywhere. But Facebook is probably your best bet where you can annoy me. Cool. Just okay. like I annoy you. So, yeah. yeah. So everybody, everybody go annoy Scott Perry. Uh, make sure to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, filmmaking sucks. You can download all of our, our all of our episodes or archives on there, or you can go straight to awesome. MassGravePictures.com and get all of them there, as well as our other podcast, What Lurks on Channel X, which is unfortunately on a break right now. But you can get some cool stuff there. There's some interesting stories we discuss true stories on there might even give you some uh, ideas some ideas for some good horror films and for your writing fans this is called a pitch so listen to what they're saying (laughs) so yeah check us out massgravepictures.com look up Slick Devil Entertainment on uh, Facebook and uh, on Vimeo and Vimeo and And uh, I'm going to do a new one I I keep saying send us your first but let's let's do something a little fun let's ask for log lines yeah unleash your your log log line. line Yeah, so we can steal them and make our own films. <laughs> I didn't say that. No. Uh, you can follow us on on Facebook and Twitter at, uh, at Massgrave Pictures. Massgrave, uh, your Lynn is on Twitter under uh, Massgrave Vet. 
Uh, are you on Twitter, Scott? I am. Do you use it? Not really. And it doesn't Scott matter. Scott W. Perry, 1977. 1977, you old bastard. I am. And fun fact, we just actually started a Twitter page, Twitter for uh, data states. So data underscore there. states. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I'll, I'll leave it at this. For any writer, producer, and everything like that, I'll probably say this in the next episode as well. We don't need to know every fucking detail that you're doing on your pages when you're writing something. It All takes right. away the fun of actually reading it when you're done. So, so I shouldn't take a picture of my notebook and do some funky little filters on it and post it. Is what well, you know, I mean, I've seen people put like pictures of their pages on it and like every single page, and you know, you're looking at it and I'm like, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm writing my script. But what they don't realize is that, you know, the phone on there is so big that you can actually blow it up and read, and read every single thing on the page. <laughs> so you got to be careful with that. You know, I learned like, that on a call sheet. Oops, I had somebody's you know, address on a call sheet. Well, it's like, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, one of the things I'm doing is I am writing a script with somebody. And we're kind of discussing how we're going to announce it is we're just going to show the title page. Mm. With both our names on it, and that's how we're going to introduce it to people. But we Very still have classy. to. We have to write it first. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to do this. You know, it's like I'm going to write this. I'm going to write that. You know, I just finished a script today, which I can post on everything. You know, I mean, I kind of did in a way. I'm like, you know, I said instead of saying I finished the script, I said I don't know how I feel after finishing it. You know, you got to yeah. add something to it because you put you finishing a script, nobody's going to give a shit. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be like, oh, fuck you. you yeah, they, they want to see the movie. They don't care. They want to see the movie. You know, it's like you know, it's the same people who put out trailers when they shoot for one day it's just like you know you know the movie's not going to come out for four years and you're going to have nothing else to show for mm-hmm. it and people are going to forget there. by then they forget been in two there. months so do. You, you know been there been there all right so i'm sorry yeah that's going to wrap us up for this week uh filmmaking sucks subscribe to us everywhere you can rate us and review us massgravepictures.com slick devil entertainment scott w perry those are all of your keywords look for them uh so wrap us up that's it for us Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you got something out of this immensely long conversation. Um, Yeah, that's it. Good night. Good luck. Thank you, everybody. And make good movies. And do pre-production.